0: If you are in Sydney or Melbourne, listen up, because we have some exciting news for you. Listen.
1: Yeah, listen. Saturday, July. Melbourne, we are doing Do Go On The Quiz Show live one night only or one afternoon only, part of the Replay Festival at Comedy Republic on Saturday, July 6th at 3 p.m. This is 2024. And then the next weekend in Sydney, we are going out for a live Do Go On podcast at the fabulous Ritz Cinema on Saturday, July 13th at 3 p.m. Also 2024. Yeah, 2024, yeah. Listen. Yeah. Listen. Listen. Hey, Ugh. and get tickets. Buy ticket at Come tickets on. At dogoonpod.com. Com. Come. Let's start. Do- Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnieke and as always I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess
0: Perkins. It's a me, Jess Perkins.
1: <laughs> it's a me, Matt
2: Stewart, and just quickly and just quietly, <laughs> how yeah. good is it to be alive? You
1: actually qu- say that at a regular volume. Yeah, and, and why quietly? Why not shout it? Yeah. How good it is to be alive? Live
0: like, just, you don't have to hold you, you don't have to make yourself smaller okay. for other people's benefit, you know? How
2: good is it to be alive? Slightly
0: louder. and I, and, and you know what, Matt? If I can be honest with you for a moment, as a friend, please, you lit up from within. <laughs> yeah, when you finally let
2: yourself be you, that felt good. Yeah, it felt nice it to nice. show the world who I am.
0: Yeah, and you're a guy who thinks it's good to be alive.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's nice well, to be here. M- it's more of a question.
0: How oh, good is it? No one Somebody ever tell me. <laughs> It's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, better than the alternative, I suppose. You know, being dead.
2: Uh, or not being it. alive, which
1: I guess similar. I thought kind you of meant thing. being
2: double alive.
1: That's too much. That's well, too alive. I if don't know
2: what opposite means.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you're not alive, you can't explain how the show works. And Matt, because you are alive, you can do that right now.
2: I can. Well, how it works is one of the three of us: me, Jess, and uh, the third guy. The rest, please. Name David. Uh, we. Get a topic assigned to us, usually with the help of a listener, suggestion, and then maybe a vote from the patrons, and then we go away and we just do a deep dive in it, and we uh, write up a kind of a a school report Mm -hmm. and come back to the class and give a little oral presentation, while the other two interrupt relentlessly (laughs) and uh, two... You know, sort of tedious extremes, and uh, <laughs> we normally a get on the topic- It's <laughs> a good name for a podcast. Tedious
0: extremes? <laughs> <laughs> I, like- I like that too.
2: We normally get on the topic with a question. Jess, have you written a question this week?
0: I have written a question. My question is, what was the 1970s equivalent <laughs> of Magic Mike?
1: Oh, the full Monty- Oh yeah, that's probably pretty so similar. 70s. Magic Mike. So this is the strip show. Yeah. movie, 1970s. Who? So we're thinking Debbie Does Dallas,
0: U.S. Okay, so that's a that's a porno. Mm,
2: okay. okay. What's Magic Mike?
0: That's just I mean that's just like a strip show kind of thing.
2: Okay. Um,
0: we're thinking the U.S. We're thinking a live
1: show. Oh, you watch a TV show? Oh about my it.
2: God! Is this about the chipmunks? No, the Chippendales. Chippendales.
1: Whoa, this is awesome. Have you just watched the show? I watched
2: the show, and apparently it differs wildly from okay, the real great. story. Because
0: I haven't watched it because I was worried about exactly that. And if I, every time I watch a movie that's based on a topic, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that happened. And then you read, you know, I did. I didn't want to poison my brain. Right. You've watched the recent one, the yeah. like the Hulu one. Yeah, great.
2: With um, who stars in Kumail. it? Yeah. Comedian, yeah, and it was. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. But I'm like, wait, what? I I started watching it thinking it was just like one of those sort of comedy shows, like yeah. Glow or something like that. Yeah, bit of drama, bit of comedy, but it was like, wait, what? It's pretty full on, isn't and it? Apparently, it's quite a famous story, but I knew nothing of it.
0: And look, there's been like a few docos out about it, but there w- there weren't a heap of like detailed written sources a lot of like the articles and stuff kind of just really gloss over stuff so I listened to this like 10 part podcast called Welcome to Your Fantasy which only came out I think last year and it's really really great so if people like this story and want to hear more about it in more detail definitely go listen to that but yes it's about the Chippendales. It's example, so I'm-
2: funny that I've literally I finished watching that two weeks ago yeah, nice. and I had no idea what <laughs> The answer to that question was. Yeah, chipmunks. <laughs> and I only
1: knew the answer because you told me like briefly in an airport a few weeks ago, yeah, I've been watching this show. Cool. Yeah, nice. So, let the guy, John, keeping track of the score, that I totally set that one up <laughs> Format. Can I get half a point it or something? His name's Bob. His name's Bob, so- is that your nickname for him? Maybe that's You're why he doesn't down- give you many you point now. All right, John, listen to me. <laughs> John, you son of a bitch. <laughs> that's listen why he's, he's been ruining me. Uh, this topic anyway. is
0: suggested by a few people, Melanie, Will Vickery, and Bracken Markins.
1: Oh,
2: it's such a great name,
1: Bracken Markins.
0: And voted on by um, our Patreon supporters. So, it's a pretty fun story. I um, Well, it's not at all, but you'll, you'll hear it.
1: But um, That's great, because I'm going in completely blind yeah, over great. here. Yeah, just a guy in an airport told me about a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> we get it, Dave. You fly. He's a jet setter, Oh, my okay. God. Well, no, he was I, in the lounge, yeah. probably. <laughs> no, I wasn't even flying. They know him, so you weren't flying. I was buying a magazine. <laughs> at the airport. It's the only place to get them these days. I think
0: it would be cheaper at a newsagent, mate.
1: Oh, I hadn't thought about that.
0: <laughs> oh, you're
2: dim. He's writing a note down in his notepad.
0: <laughs> news news agent. agent. I'm underlining
1: it with a felt. Pen.
0: And a big question mark. Look up what is news agent. Well, I'm going to start this story in 1965 when a young man named Soman Banerjee leaves Bombay, now Mumbai, and arrives in Canada before ending up in LA. He worked for a time as a janitor before borrowing some money from a friend and using it to buy not one, but
1: two mobile gas
0: stations.
1: Two. Why start with one? I love that when you're borrowing money from a friend, the friend's like, how much do you need can you just buy one first? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe a little bit Does it have to be two? Is it a twofer or something?
2: Could have been a twofer.
1: Oh, so one of those ones where it's on either side of the highway and it just mirrors the other one. Oh, I love mm-hmm. those yep. and hate them. <laughs> I love those. I love those. I love those.
2: <laughs> Do you know what I think every time? <laughs> That's one of the weirdest <laughs> things I've ever heard someone love. I love laugh. those. <laughs> it's just, it's just No, great. because if they
0: had something better on the other side, I'd get jealous.
2: Oh, okay. So I'm glad
0: it's the same.
2: It saves from FOMO. <laughs>
0: but also, um, I you know, here's what I often think about when I'm driving past one of those service stations where they have one on each side. I'm like, let's say you work at the Macca's there. How do you know which one you work at? Because it would be like northbound or southbound. I don't know what that
1: means.
2: Yeah. I think they often work at both. Like exactly. So, how would I know like, where
1: my shift is? That would
2: happen all the time. They rock up to the wrong one.
1: Surely. You're not working here. You're working over there.
2: How are you going
0: to get across there? Yeah.
2: You get, it's like take a half an hour to go to a U-turn. Wild. <laughs> so, that's what I think so about
1: That's on why you love them.
0: That's why I love them. Um, So, he's bought two mobile gas stations and the timing could not have been better. Oh, great. Because this was just before the oil crisis of 1973, which saw gas prices double and then triple. Which was terrible for everybody, but great if you owned the gas station. Oh, oh
2: wait, why? Well,
0: I, it must be just be that, like, you're making a lot of cash.
2: Right. So, he the cost went up for him to buy it, but he put it up even higher, I guess.
0: I would guess so.
1: Or, yeah, yeah.
2: The crisis was, I've just bumped the prices up real high.
1: <laughs> That's a crisis. What are you going to do? Get the gas over there? Well, yeah. I own that place too. Yeah. Sucker. Good luck. Got you over a barrel.
0: Of gas. (laughs) Um, Only a couple of years later, in 1975, Banerjee took the profits from the gas station and bought a cocktail lounge called the Round Robin. He saw this as the first step towards emulating one of his heroes, Hugh Hefner. yeah. Loved Hef. He's also going by Steve at this point. So, Steve Banerjee is the main character of
1: this story. That sounds like a comic book superhero.
0: Steve Banerjee? Banerjee. Banerjee, yeah. It's pretty good. Disco was taking over New York. It was big, but it hadn't quite made the same splash on the West Coast yet and Steve wanted to get in ahead of the game. He immediately renamed the round robin to Destiny 2 (laughs) and no, there was no Destiny 1. (laughs)
2: Yeah, in the, I think in the show he said something like, it just makes it sound like it's the second one.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, he's it, sort of like faking it till he makes it. Yeah. So why not call it Destiny 32? <laughs> yes. There's a whole chain of these. I'm very successful. I'm a
0: very, very successful businessman. <laughs>
1: such a, it's just
2: such funny logic if that's how we thought about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So the podcast I mentioned, welcome to your fantasy. It's hosted by a historian, Natalia Petrazella, um, who's done quite a lot of research into. Well, she's a she's a like a professor in modern history of the US, particularly. She's done a lot of research into the '70s in California.
2: Yeah, specializing in stripping. Yeah, yeah, it's business though. I'm, I'm purely academic, just watching a lot of tapes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just say, I mean, if I don't get it, really paint a picture, then I don't think I can tell the story. So I'm just watching a lot of a lot of stripper <laughs> tapes um, for work. <laughs> This is all for business. <laughs> Some of them are much more modern. Okay. i like got to compare it to something. Yeah. If I don't know what they're doing now, how can I talk about the history? If you don't learn from history, you're bound to repeat it. So Watch I've more t- stripper tapes.
0: All I've said is modern history of the US. I'm up like- to my eyeballs in bloody <laughs> stripper
2: tapes. <laughs> I close my eyes. it's all I can see. Uh, <laughs> <Tyrating>. um- <laughs> Leather thongs. <laughs> Leather
0: thongs, That's twitching, better grip. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of popcorn, okay. Uh, I would, yeah. I recommend the podcast. It's very detailed, um, and it's kind of it's been a very helpful resource to like create the framework of this. So Natalia explains that the '70s was a fantastic time to get into the entertainment industry in LA. It was like a good time to start because oh,
1: I wish I'd known that then. I know, fuck. Yeah, if you
2: had a time machine.
0: I'd go back and I'd get in the entertainment industry in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. There was this huge cultural shift which meant that Hollywood was seeing a new generation of auteurs and actors um, and the mid-70s was a golden age for porn. There was a sexual revolution that saw people feeling more free in their sexual expression. A New York Times critic Richard Blumenthal coined the phrase porno chic to describe the way porn was being taken more seriously by people in the film world. So, you've got Hollywood stars, musicians, porn stars all hanging out in the club and at the Playboy Mansion, which was, like, very close to Destiny 2. <laughs> and the social scene was filled with alcohol, drugs, and a lot of sex. So, it's like a wild time. It's a great time to be opening a nightclub. Um, and this was the world in which Steve Banerjee thought he could make his fortune. He's like, I'm going to tap into this. So, it
2: was all about- what For him, it was about the just the business, making the money. Yeah. And he thought- As opposed to? Or, oh, you know, being- Because he, he went from a successful business- with the, he sold the gas stations, yep. which were doing very well. Yeah. And could have, he could have kept going that way. But I think they kind of made it seem like in the show that maybe he was also, he wanted to be, you know, in the hip
0: yeah. business a bit. Yeah. I'm sure there's, de- yeah. And, I- it is kind of capitalizing on what's popular and cool yep. at the moment for sure. And yeah, like that Hugh Hefner lifestyle of being yeah, very lavish right. and stuff. I think he wanted that
2: if he that's the hero,
0: yeah, and dressed himself, you know, in a very like cool dressing gowns dressing gowns, <laughs> robes. Um, but he was always like, I think, pretty done up and in like, yeah. Coolish clothes of the time. So, the only problem was Destiny 2 wasn't a high-end nightclub. It was essentially a dive bar in the industrial section of West LA. Oh, dear. Um, Bruce Nahin was a 24-year-old law student studying for the bar and often found himself studying at his local dive bar, Destiny 2.
1: Studying for the bar at the bar. How else can you get it done? Exactly
0: right. They make that joke a lot. Well, joke. They make that comment a lot in... Um, the podcast. That's good stuff. That's
2: good to say.
1: If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Agreed. You know
2: what? Uh, what was in this story?
1: Natalia Petrozella. She watched
2: a lot of stripper tapes. She was barring up, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my God. Oh no, my but- God. Nobody said anything about You've made up the stripper tape thing.
2: Yeah. That's what we do on this show. (laughs) We make up bullshit. We go up bullshit. What are
1: you talking about? That's not actually true. (laughs) Where are you getting this from? Uh, I've never said that. What we do on this show is make extremely obvious jokes, bar and bar. That's the kind of thing we do, (laughs) man. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Low-hanging fruit, grab it. He is. What was barring up if not low-hanging fruit? Yeah. Well, that's a bit more too conceptual for me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So, he became quite friendly with the owner, Steve Banerjee, and once he passed the bar, he became Steve's lawyer. By 1978, the bar was busy on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, but completely dead every other night of the week. They tried lots of different events and novelties to fill the space, dinner theatre, magic shows. (laughs) They brought in um, female mud wrestling one night a week, um, which was successful, but Steve, still not satisfied. Really? Because
1: Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, that sounds pretty good. Three Mm. nights a week, you're doing all right. Three
2: big nights a week. Yeah. Yeah, that's good work-life balance. Yeah, Four days off, three days on. Yeah. Sick.
1: Quiet days, get all the
0: cleaning done. Yeah. You know, clean up all the vomit.
2: The admin. Yeah. You know? <laughs> do Ugh.
0: the do the pay So now slips. the
2: invoices. <laughs> 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 Restock the fridge. <laughs> <Ugh>.
1: <laughs> That's you know, not what I got stuff. in this business
2: for? I've got it for the glamour, for the mud, and the strippers, and the strippers. So Did he, he ever get in a in the show? And I'll probably should stop. No, I love it. But he um, in that, and I I know so much of apparently they just you know just made up and they moves license. Yeah, but they made it that he started as a backgammon club. Yes, yeah. So at one point he.
0: I don't know if it was that he that Destiny Two was a backgammon club right, maybe, I think but they like, merged
2: two things together. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: he was at one point running like a backgammon club and too, and it just and- didn't
2: quite work. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yep. this is going to be my way to the Playboy Mansion to the top backgammon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Like, Snickers, okay. buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah, he wanted Destiny 2 to be a hot destination club. The oh. biggest and
1: most most popular places in LA. He wanted it to be like the place to be. It's, it does sound like in the title that it's the second place you go to in a night, though, doesn't it? Yeah. But you start somewhere else and then you go if to you're the second destination you end up at Destiny, Destiny 2. two. Kick ons. Yeah, the kick on club.
0: It's a bit like we used to go to the Hawthorne Hotel for uni night, and then if you were still wanting to party when that closed up, you'd go over to Cheers. Cheers, yes. Where you could toss the toss boss. Toss the
1: boss. <laughs> that was a great <laughs> night. That you, was a good night. Do you want to explain the concept of toss the boss? Because it the does boss. sound like you're wanking off a manager of a bar. <laughs> yeah.
0: How else do you think you get free drinks?
2: It's <laughs> basically you you lobbed a coin and you you basically you could either get a cheap drink or It was a spray. free.
0: It was free. Oh
2: free. No, didn't you have to have a coin or they
0: no, that well, I don't remember if you had to BYO coin, but it was essentially like you'd place your order for the drinks, and you go, "I want to toss the boss." You'd flip a coin, and if if you won heads or tails, you'd get the drinks, drinks for free, and if not, right. you had to pay.
2: And it's, I think there's a
1: minimum of two drinks at a time, yeah, or something. something like that. Yeah.
2: yeah. I'm merging two memories. There was this other bar that had a wheel, and you you spin it, and it was either <laughs> either fr- um the Wheel of Fortune Experience bar, free free beer. Free basic spirits, or getting squirted in the face by the with the the water gun. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you were, and you could pay to be Did you squirted, want squirted in, the, in face. the face. Like if you, no, were that was ice? like the booby prize. You, that's the gamble. Yeah, right. Either getting a free drink or humiliated.
0: <laughs> How strange. <laughs> So, yeah, cheers. I don't think it's there anymore.
2: It's just uh, flipping the coin. Yeah. That's right.
0: I didn't go to cheers that much, but I think it was free drinks. That that was
2: Tuesdays?
0: Yeah, because it was uni night.
2: And then Fridays there was Switch, uh, Heavy Metal (gasps) Nightclub. Yeah. Metal and Punk. That
1: was such a- Great spot. Great spot. Many happy memories. But the point here is that that's the second place. It's yes. not a classy establishment being the second destination <laughs> oh, of yeah. the, the final. I mean the Hawthorne got pretty fucking
0: gross too by the end of that night. But then they'd kick you out at like midnight. Um and then and now I just like I walk past that to get treats for my dog now. And I'm like oh, no. so many memories. <laughs> anyway, so he yeah, he wants the, it to be he wants trip. it to be the Hawthorne Hotel. Yep. You know, Tossing the boss in the
2: Hawthorne Hotel, that's a different
1: story. <laughs>
0: yeah, that is wanking the boss out. So, clubs would often rebrand every few years to appear to be new and fresh and to attract some attention again. Destiny
1: 3.
0: So, Stephen Bruce brainstormed and came up with a new name, Chippendales, named after a British furniture builder from the 1700s. That's right. Re- okay, and t- talk me through that. Just I have no idea. They just thought, it, they thought it sounded classy, yeah. Mm. I thought it sounded like a classy name.
2: And when did the the cartoon series Chippendales Rescue Rangers* come out? I don't know.
1: Because
2: that's what it makes me think of. Yeah.
1: Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. But
2: uh, yeah, I think that I think it was just like high end sort of yeah. um, custom built type, fancy from
0: the 1700s.
2: Beautiful. So Chasse like, that's How do you say that word? Chaise. Chaise Lange. Lange. <laughs> Chase Lounge. Chase got, Lounge. Haven't got to that microphone. Have you heard Chases. the wet leg song? Was that
0: near on the Chaise Long? On the yeah, Chaise Long. Yeah, that's the
2: song that made me realize. I'm like, oh, oh no. My
0: <laughs> mum's always called it a Chaise Lounge. Yeah, that's what I thought. Which I think it. is probably fine too. I, I, I would Orange. feel like a bit of a wanker, being like, please take a seat on the Chaise Long. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> chaise Long. Yeah, be like, on
0: that seat over there. Dave,
2: you're learning French. Is that we haven't, French? I've not covered it in my. F- I haven't okay. got the furniture yet. Well, not the first three weeks.
0: Let us know. So anyway, a fancy new name, surprisingly, doesn't magically fix all of their problems. By 1979, Steve's almost out of money and he's running out of ideas. But that same year, he meets Canadian nightclub promoter Paul Snyder. Um, he'd, he'd just arrived in LA and was looking to make it as a club promoter in the US. So, he told Banerjee about a show he'd seen in Vancouver, a gay male striptease show that had been really successful. So, he told Steve that he should do a male review show at Chippendales, but not targeted to gay men, but to straight women. You're looking up Chippendales now?
2: <laughs> I'm listening.
0: When did it when the did start? The cartoon started in
2: 1943.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So maybe it was named after the chipmunks.
2: Well, I don't think it was, but it's funny that maybe he didn't know because he didn't grow up in America. Yeah, maybe he true. didn't know about the cartoon. Yeah. And he's thinking everyone's gonna associate this with the fancy furniture. Yeah, not
0: the cartoon, uh, chipmunks. Like
2: calling
1: a shop like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> because and of the You sell turtles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: So, yeah. It's
1: just like that, Dave. They've been
0: pitched the idea of, like, do a, a male strip show for the ladies. And Banerjee had very little to lose, so they decided to give it a go. They're like, Snyder will MC; They'll split the profits. They take out radio ads. They put up signs in women's bathrooms at venues all around town. Snyder visits gyms and beaches and finds a handful of guys who are willing to take their clothes off for tips. According to Banerjee, 600 women turned up on the first night. Six hundred. That's a hot start. The place can hold maybe 250 max. Wow. 600 people have turned up. It's an instant success and becomes a weekly Wednesday night show. Snyder's girlfriend, soon to be wife, Dorothy Stratton, was a Playboy model and would often be at shows with some of her Playboy friends, which obviously added to the status of the club
1: and the show itself.
0: Like, all, if cool people are hanging out there, you know, that bumps it up, you know? Much like when we go to places. Mm. Yeah,
1: we're invited to nightclub openings all the time. All
0: the time. And we're always like, mm, busy. Oh, gosh. Do I have Gonna to- be I'm going to be in Prague that night.
1: Sorry. If I could, I'd toss the boss, but I'm afraid I'll yeah, be Yeah, I'm in afraid Europe. I
0: will not be available to toss le boss.
1: Yeah.
2: And they say, oh, it's only 50 bucks, you know, just normal cover charge for you.
0: <laughs> we say, mm.
2: Basically, we, every now and then we see a flyer for a, an event. <laughs> and we go, ugh. Ugh, Can't again? you just leave us alone? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, they just always want us to be at all these events. We're so busy and sought after. <laughs> oh, a missing cat. Another thing I've been invited to. <laughs> um, but there, there is a problem with the show. Paul is a shit MC. He's no. not funny. He doesn't have stage presence. He's not bringing the kind of energy that the show needs. Damn it, Paul. So, they bring in a radio DJ and wannabe actor, Richard Barsh, who skillfully whips the women into a frenzy before the dancers have even hit the stage. After his first night of MCing, Banerjee pulls him aside and says, I'm going to need you here every Wednesday. So, Paul Snyder's ditched. Despite this being his idea, he's kicked out.
1: Well, completely. Not yeah, even just into the back- background. He's kind
0: of like, he's really a side note in this whole- story. He never really comes up that much. But yeah, he was around at this time. Do they is Paul Snyder in there?
2: Yeah. Um they I think they moved time around a bit and yep. have him more involved for a bit longer.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And his partner, I don't know if this came up, but I looked it up after the episode. His partner supposedly suggested the the cuffs and bow ties. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So they their sort of custom look is um, bow ties and like cuffs on their Which is very similar to the Playboy Bunny look, where they're kind of also in like cuffs and collars. Um, And apparently, because Dorothy was a a Playboy Bunny, she sort of spoke to Hef and he said that was fine that they do that as well. Really? So, it was kind of through her. Yeah. She spoke to Hef. Yeah, she knew Hef. Because she
2: was Playmate of the Month or something around that time. She was, you know, mover and shaker in there. Yeah. Probably there being treated really well by Hef, I reckon.
1: (laughs) Nice. Okay. Do they
0: say in the series what happens to them? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I just- I've written it down as like a quick sad side note because it's worth mentioning, but it's very sad. So sad. So, Paul Snyder, the guy who- it it was pretty much his idea. He created it and then
1: he got cut out.
0: He got cut out. The following year after sort of being uh, cut out, he dies and the- he having killed his wife, Dorothy, and then by the looks of it himself. Oh, Really, really sad. And they're both very young, especially her. I think she was like twenty or something. Really sad.
1: Wow, that's awful.
0: Yeah. So just a fun little, very depressing, mm. very sad side note there.
2: That in the in the series, that bit it took me by surprise. Mm. I will say that. I thought it was this sort of fun show, glow type show. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? What's going on? Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, very sad. But the Wednesday night show continues. With the new MC. (laughs) With the new MC. Crowds of women flock to the club every single week. On more than one occasion, police shut down the show and uh, and arrest some of the dancers and organisers for public indecency. But as it turns out, Banerjee had called local TV stations and said that police were raiding the bar and making arrests and then called the police and said, they're getting naked in here. (laughs) any publicity is good publicity, baby. <laughs> Which is a pretty clever PR move from somebody who was really struggling to get his club off the ground for years.
1: Yeah, right. from a backgammon guy. Yeah, it's not a bad move. <laughs> well, I've been playing good cop and bad cop on, yeah. the, on the phone of the police. They get naked in here. I've tried everything. I can't control <laughs> them. It's you, wild. You better come down here and make them put their shirts and on. What?
2: Yeah. So, it was it was illegal at the time to have strip clubs?
0: Uh, well, probably not women taking their clothes off. Right. <laughs> sure that's fine. But men? Hmm. Um, no, but there was- I think um, it's pretty funny. There's like- I can't remember who it was who said this in the uh, Welcome to Your Fantasy, but it was like the- the. Um, oh, I think it was Richard Barsh, actually, the- the MC, the, the new MC, and he was like, the police were like, um, you're exposing? And he was like, exposing what? And like the the buttocks. Oh, and, yeah. and he's like, well, I mean, where does a buttock start and end?
1: <laughs> you know, the big questions. They have to get technical. Yeah, it's it's like, like, Is it this? Is it, Is it one it inch of crack?
2: Tell me. I'll keep, <laughs> lowering, I'll keep the lowering the G-string and you let me know.
0: <laughs> so, to set the scene a little bit about what the shows looked like, the audience of exclusively women were seated in stadium-type seating around a smallish <laughs> dance floor stage. So, they're looking down on the male dancers. Right. Like like a
1: right-tiered seating.
0: Like I a coliseum. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: A coliseum. Mini coliseum. Incredible.
0: Barsh is in a tux and roller skates.
2: <laughs> so good.
0: Skating out, gliding around the stage with the microphone. The venue holds maybe 150 people, but most nights there's closer to 300 women in the club. Wow. The dancers come out one at a time in various cheesy costumes. First up is Cowboy Dan, then Superman, then the Barbarian, all this good stuff. <laughs> Along with the dancers on stage, there are other men walking around the club, kind of waiters slash, I don't know, they're just kind of, they're like keeping the vibe fun. They're checking in <laughs> with ladies, they're making the ladies feel good hey, about themselves. Hey, you having fun. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of doing that. And this included the signature move of Chippendale's The Tip and Kiss. Where a woman would just hold up a dollar and one of these waiters would go over to her, take the dollar and give her a smooch. Okay. Which,
1: man. Sounds like a recipe for herpes.
0: Yeah, right? In the early days, the show itself was pretty shit. (laughs) Um, These men are not dancers. They're not performers. They're hot guys with hot bodies who have just been found at the gym or at the beach. Right. So, they're not like- yeah, they've kind of stumbled into this because somebody's yep. seen them and been like, you, want to make some money? But it was the first of its kind and women of all ages from all walks of life were seeing a show that had never been made for them. And that's something to address early on too because whatever your feelings are towards shows like this and even modern equivalents like Magic Mike and Thunder from Down Under and stuff like that, <laughs> before the 70s there were so many shows and venues – where women took their clothes off for a male audience, but women had never been given license to express themselves, express and celebrate their sexuality, their desires. And the shift in the power dynamic was really, really exciting at the time. You know, and like, was it still pretty gross and inappropriate by today's standards? Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Part of it you're watching or you're listening and you're like, ugh. But it was, a, it, it truly was a different time. And, uh, yeah, it's it's so strange. Like, women are just as capable of making these male dancers feel very uncomfortable, and in a lot of circumstances, they really did. Right. But this is
2: a quality. It's a is quality. this what you wanted? <laughs>
0: I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's just important to note that the time that this story is happening in and how empowering and liberating this show was for the bulk of its female audience. It was like a big step.
2: As a feminist, I, for one- applaud women for <laughs> abusing uh, these dancers.
0: Not all women.
2: Not all, not all of them. Some of them
0: were just looking at them going, oh. It's pretty funny because like hearing them talk about it on Welcome to Your Fantasy and in documentaries, their memories of things- aren't really the most reliable. Like the the lawyer, Bruce N- Nahan, says on the podcast, oh, it was empowering. I think Chippendales had a lot to do with the sexual revolution and now their daughters are able to run for president of the United States and go into spaceships and fighter jets and I'm not so sure Chippendales didn't have a lot to do with that. Hmm. <laughs> He goes on saying, maybe I'm delusional, but I think it was all part of that second wave of feminism that opened up women's equality.
2: A lot of people don't know this, but Hillary Clinton's mom was a regular there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just think that's such a stretch. Apparently, after he said that, he pointed at one of the producers and said, Chippendales is the reason she can wear pants. No
1: way. (laughs) No irony.
0: No irony. No, he's serious. He thinks that Chippendales is the reason. Because the men the took off
2: their pants so the women could wear them. Yeah, it's <laughs> hey, beautiful. It is
1: beautiful. How about you wear these?
2: <laughs> I got these for you. <laughs> now women just oh, <laughs> wear all these button up pants. To face.
1: <laughs> and having watched the docos and heard the things, is is that true in any way? I mean, no. Okay.
0: <laughs> I don't think Chippendales is the reason that women can go to space now. <laughs> no, I think that's a stretch. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, like, a it's, it's very telling of the time. Um, but, I mean, there's still shows like this that exist and, yeah, I don't know.
2: But what you don't realise, Jess, is that NASA had a little stall set up in one of the corners of the club mm-hmm. with, a, like, a mailing list clipboard. Yeah. And women, you know, some women signed up for those, uh, including, you know, some
1: of those famous women astronauts. Like... Krista McCall <laughs> of it was the uh, that was the primary school teacher. That- yeah,
0: yeah, she was there. Yeah. Primary school teachers can go to strip shows.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Anybody can. They
2: can now, thanks to Chippendales. Thanks to
0: Chippendales, <laughs> they changed
2: everything. Before that, it was frowned upon.
0: It's such a yeah. It's really there's parts of it. Listening to this and looking at it through a modern lens, where you're just like, ugh, yuck. But you know, it, it's everyone. forget that
2: you're a prude.
0: No, no, no. I just mean the way that. Some of Yeah, some of the men talking about the benefits of being a Chippendales dancer and- Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels a what little bit- are we bit talking
2: about? Like, dental plan?
0: Dental plan, good healthcare, <laughs> tips, <laughs> lots of puss.
2: Oh, <laughs> I see. They're like,
0: you go straight to the top of every woman's list in the whole world. Everybody wants to have sex with you. And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> just hearing you talk like that. <laughs> But okay. But Steve Banerjee wasn't in it for the feminism. Okay. He was what? in it for the cold hard cash. Right. Um, in the early eighties, Steve was approached one night after the show by a man named Nick DeNoia. Nick was an Emmy award winning producer for his children's TV show Unicorn Tales and had worked as a kids TV um, producer for quite a while. He told Banerjee he wanted to partner with him and put Chippendales on the map. He said, Let me choreograph and direct a new show. Your show sucks. Let me make it good. And uh, it did. It I was- know
1: kids TV. <laughs> I'm qualified to do this
2: adults-only show. I can do this. And he was he was like a, yeah, he was a choreographer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Choreographer.
1: He a choreographer.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was a choreographer. He
2: choreographed. <laughs> yes. And and the original the show as it was was very self-taught, non-trained yeah, yeah, yeah. dancers having a go.
0: The, essentially the dancers would like come out. Do a little thrust, take off their clothes, and then just run out into the crowd, take all the cash they could, all the tips, and, like, run off. So, it wasn't very slick. It wasn't very professional. So it was more of,
1: like, a take your pants off than a robbery.
0: That's right. <laughs> yeah. Take your pants off, rob those women. Um And Nick was, like... You know, I see the appeal here. I can make this really good. In many ways, Steve and Nick were polar opposites. Steve was quiet, awkward, self-conscious, tended to hang at the back of the club by himself. Nick was gregarious, personable, and commanded a room. They'd often butt heads, having full-blown fights and screaming matches at each other. But Steve wanted mainstream success, and Nick was the person who could get Chippendales there. Right. So, Nick DeNoya was a perfectionist and pushed his dancers to nail the choreography he made and wanted to make the show as entertaining as it was suggestive. He was like, I want to tell stories, you know, I want there to be a narrative. I want people to be able to connect with the characters. Yeah, and-
2: so, they're like a stripper would come out dressed as an acorn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and cool then right. they would plant themselves in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and then a, a big stripper tree would start to grow. <laughs>
0: Uh And then the stripper, the tree would take off its leaves.
1: (laughs) 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 Then the bark would come off. Yeah. (laughs) And then the tree would start to bleed sap.
2: Yeah, it would get very, the wood, something, something. All right.
1: It's all beautiful stuff.
2: It's beautiful. Tells a beautiful story.
0: Nick's influence was immediately obvious. The show changed dramatically and was less of a slapdash, comical show and became a proper production. Several people who were around at the time said Nick had an ability to know what women wanted and what women found sexy.
2: Because <laughs> he uh, got electrocuted in the bath.
0: Yeah, and now he can read women's minds.
2: <laughs> is that what happens to Mel? I think that's what happens to Mel in that yeah. movie. Something like that. In
0: fact, every man that is interviewed in the podcast is like, oh, yeah, he knew what you wanted better than you actually know. And they said that to a woman. And she said, <laughs> "And she said, did you ever consult women? And they are like, Nah, we didn't need to. We consulted Nick. Nick. knew what they wanted. <laughs> we and, had then Nick. They, and then they interview women who were working with him at the time, and the women are like, what? I don't <laughs> think Nick knew what women wanted. It's so funny. All the men are like, wow, he's got a sixth sense. He just knows what's going to drive the ladies crazy. And the women are like, what? (laughs) No. That creepy guy. Did you ask any women what they like? Nah, 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 nah. No need. So funny.
2: if he didn't know what they wanted, I guess this company is about to take a big nosedive. (laughs) No women came anymore, I assume.
0: No, not a single woman Why are you always defending
2: the gross Why man? are you always defending Nick Denoyer? Because <laughs> <laughs> he was played by this great Australian actor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the guy from um, the first season of-
0: Yeah. Murray. Murray, Murray Bartlett. Yes, Murray, Murray Bartlett, Bartlett, Bartlett plays him. He's it.
2: so good. He it, killed it in The White
1: Lotus. I, lo- I just- uh, Yeah. His character's so great yeah. in the show. Well, now I'm on board the, the Denoyer train. Hmm. As he should be. Nick knows what women want and so does but- Murray. <laughs> <laughs> so if I
2: ever- Personally, if I ever think- what do women want? You know who I go to? Nick Denoya. Nick DeNoyer. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's what I, I go you to. know, you know well, that's who gone. I go. I'm like,
0: Nick, do I like this? And he tells me. <laughs> yeah, right. Because he knows better than I know myself. <laughs> so, a woman called Candace Mayeron, who worked uh, for Nick as a producer, described the show as, from the first moment, everybody is out of their chairs, screaming and excited. It's like a touchdown run at the Super Bowl, but it goes on for two hours. It never stops.
2: You know what this sounds like to me? Nick DeNoyer. Knows what women want, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick the mm-hmm. D- Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I never said he doesn't know what women want. Just that women said he doesn't know what he wants. That's all yeah, I said. What That's all I, I said.
2: <laughs> Just women that knew him, <laughs> <laughs> and women who were there, <laughs> who were actually putting in all the suggestions for these. They're yeah. like,
0: no, he didn't know shit. And remember, it's the seventies. The sexual revolution. Women in particular are able to feel free and liberated to express their sexuality. So, the club is not just a place for a fun show. It is a wild party every single week. The male dancers are being offered stacks of cash to have sex with women in various places in the club. There's so much cocaine and so much alcohol and people are doing things that through a modern lens are somewhat horrifying. Oh, God. But it was, we hope, all consensual. People just having a wild time. Nick was in talks with some club owners in New York and they came to see the show in LA. The show impressed them immediately and they were keen to open a Chippendales on the East Coast as well. So, Chippendales is expanding. Nick moves back to New York and ran the show there while Steve stays in LA. The New York show was massive and fancier than the LA original. Opening night was like the opening of a Broadway show. It was big. There were celebs. Apparently, Brooke Shields had a twenty-first birthday party at Chippendales or something like that. <laughs> right. Um, Andy Warhol was offered there. Like it's it's just a cool place to be. That's um, the big two. The big two: Brooke yeah, New Shields, York City. You got Warhol, and Shields. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Holy molly. Um, Nick is appearing on TV shows and talk shows, um, and he's talking up how packed the shows are, how well it's going, um, and they're both like everyone's making good money. The, the whole sort of Chippendales franchise is doing really well. And remember, Steve loves money. But what starts to really piss Steve off is the attention that Nick is getting and how often he's being credited with the creation of Chippendales. Whoa, whoa. He's being brought on to TV shows as the founder, the creator of Chippendales. And Steve's like, the fuck? The fuck? That's my friend Paul. <laughs> and this would be a chip on Banerjee's shoulder that would fuel resentment, anger, and eventually-
2: Murder. Murder? Yeah, that murder before wasn't the only murder, Dave. Really?
1: What? Oh, this is good for me because I've got no idea. Is it going to be Steve taking on Denoya? Denoya taking on Steve? Someone else? Oh. We'll find out. Well, right after this. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, growing, getting bigger, it all means the same thing. Squarespace <laughs> makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And if you're worried about like, well, I don't know how to write
0: stuff for a website and make myself look good, well, you can get help with the written content for your website with Squarespace AI. You can generate instant personalised results that highlight your brand identity you can explain what your site's about choose your tone enter what you need and bang you got some short and long form text baby so squarespace ai makes it easy to go live stand out and succeed online i'm
2: so glad you had that bit because i thought it was pronounced squarespace ai (laughs) (laughs) anyway sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses or sell files your customers can download. I don't know if I'm hitting all these words <laughs> as
1: intended, like PDFs, music, or ebooks. I would love to buy Matt's ebook.
0: I'd like to buy Matt's course, and you, you <laughs> can do that. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course.
2: Be more like Matt oh, 101.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. How many does it go to 102?
2: It goes all the way to 102. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can customize everything with next generation editing technology. You can create engaging lessons your audience will love and then set the price. You can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Matt, how much is it to be more like Matt 101?
2: Oh, three 3 mil. Wow.
1: wow. Like per month or?
2: Yeah, USD. <laughs>
1: awesome. <laughs> Head to squarespace.com/do-go-on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. squarespace.com/ do go on. So there's clubs in LA and New York, packing in crowds of screaming
0: women night after night. The Chippendale dancers, wrong. Sorry. Yes.
2: Screams of pleasure or pain.
0: <laughs> Bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fear. Oh, I forgot to mention, it's like a haunted house show. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> they're doing a lot of jump scares. <laughs> that, that goblin looks so real. I'm <laughs> uh, <they're> frightened. <laughs> Chipperdale dancers are on billboards. They're doing spots on TV shows. They're in ads. And Nick was very particular about what his dancers were allowed to talk about and the image of the club that the dancers were to portray. They weren't allowed to tell stories of anything that made it seem sleazy or hinted any of the sex, drugs, and partying that happens. Right. Apparently, like, on one TV show one time, one of the dancers, like, somebody says, like, what's the biggest tip you've ever got? And a guy, one of the dancers, like, says he got, like, a roll of $20 bills or something. That's like, a couple hundred bucks. And he sort of went to, I think he went to thank the lady or, sh- or something. And she was like, you're mine for the night. And he was like, no, 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 you can't buy me here. Take your money back. And she pulled a gun on him. Whoa. And he's telling that story on live TV. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, sorry, Nick, you probably didn't know that story. And Nick's just sitting there looking
1: furious. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because
0: they're trying to kind of, obviously, there's a lot of people who are very against it. There's lots of particularly religious groups protesting, or on some of these talk shows, they'll they'll have the audience weigh in. And some people are like it's great, you know, it's so liberating, and it's um, you finally women are allowed to express themselves. And then other people being like, you know, God's gonna get you. That sort of vibe. <laughs> um, so it, so they're trying to Nick, especially sort of trying to like make it appear a little bit more. F- Family friendly than it is, Yeah so, sure but I... really it's a fuck fest three thousand.
1: Like it's wild. <laughs> three <000? laughs>
2: thousand. That's the updated what? model. Fuck fest <laughs> 3,
1: the Guy comes out on roller skates. <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> fuck fest <laughs> three <000. laughs> thousand. Thousand, 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 <laughs> thousand. In the year three thousand. Get ready
0: to get fucked.
1: <laughs> 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 be, 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 be. <laughs> <laughs> It's that kind of vibe. Okay, right, right. But but on the talk show, they're like, "We are a fun for the whole family. Yeah, Bring down the it's kids. It's just a bit of fun. There's a craze. There's a athletes. coloring competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah." So Nick's pretty pissed off about that.
0: But yeah, so he's trying to kind of control like the image. Another business decision that launched the Chippendales into worldwide fame was the same decision that would be the tipping point for the downfall of these two men. Nick proposed to Steve that he take a group of the dancers on a national tour. They could perform all over. the country to previously untapped audiences this part of the Chippendale story is usually referred to as the napkin deal Steve signed a napkin saying that Nick owned the rights to the touring show in perpetuity Dan Peterson, one of the dancers, was at the meeting and he alleges that Steve did not know what perpetuity meant. And he said, Steve saw the touring show as a profitable idea, but future conversations made it fairly clear that he had not realized that he'd signed the ownership of all of those profits over to Nick. So, Nick said, I'm, I'm going to take a tour on the road, but I want like all the profits are mine in perpetuity. And And Steve's like, okay.
2: All the profits is in perpetuity. Yeah. Oh, wow. In the show, they made it like it was a split and he's saying, you'll make a lot of money, but I have the rights to it forever. But that's an even dodger deal.
0: Maybe it's- Fuck, I don't remember. It could be-
2: But he had either way. He had- He kind of got one over him and he had more control. And they also made it seem in the show that he didn't know what what in perpetuity meant. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But, yeah. And
2: he also sort of- should have obviously taken it to a lawyer and he-
0: Yeah, not just sign a napkin. Mm. So, I don't know if it is completely the the profits or- But but Nick definitely had the rights. Nick was sort of the owner of the-
1: Right, and he's got his friend who's a lawyer. Why didn't he show it to him? Yeah, I know.
0: Why are you just having a conversation at a pub and signing a napkin? So, Nick takes- a group of the dancers on a tour. And oh, would you look at that? It's huge, massively profitable. Where the original LA club could hold maybe two, 300 people, Nick was booking venues for the tour that were holding four, 500, up to a thousand people. Wow. So these are these big theatre shows. And it's still probably for the best that Nick and Steve are managing parts of the business on opposite sides of the country as Steve's resentment and anger just continues to grow. It doesn't really matter. A few people said, like, it doesn't matter how much money he had, how much success he had. This chip on his shoulder just never went away. Chippendale. Chippendale. My uh, God, that makes so much sense now.
2: <laughs> and the and but it's not like it was one way. Nick Denoyer, how did he feel about Steve?
0: I don't think they liked each other, right? But, but it,
2: it was more. It was more Steve, Steve hating Nick. Nick yeah, not, yeah. In the show, it makes it like Nick's like I can't work in the same. State yeah, yeah, of this yeah. guy. That's why he went over to New York. He's like, I can't yeah, deal with him.
0: That's probably that's true. Yeah, they didn't like each other. And you said they had
1: screaming matches. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They'd be toe to toe, screaming at each other, big fire. pleasure fights. or pain. Um, <laughs> mostly pleasure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they got oh, off that on feels it. Feels good, Steve. <laughs> Fuckfest three <3000! laughs> thousand. Steve by this stage is very wealthy. Certainly achieved the financial goals he had set out to. And like I was just saying. Chip on the shoulder. With the rising popularity in Chippendales, more and more similar clubs were popping up competing for their business. Steve's paranoia and competitiveness was well known. In fact, he'd made some pretty extreme decisions in the previous few years. Twice he had attempted to have a competing bar burnt to the ground.
1: Wow. Just for existing. Did you say
0: twice? Twice. First oh, was God. Moody's Disco in 1979 and then the Red Onion in 1984. God, that's a terrible name. The Red Onion? Yeah. It's a delicious- Vegetable though.
2: Fail to no. burn down a competitor once, full on you.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Fail <laughs> <know laughs> to burn down, down a, a competitor's
2: building twice. Yes. Can't get burned down again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now watch this drive. <laughs> um, yeah, he did fail. He wasn't successful either time. <laughs> Um, but it shows just how paranoid and volatile
2: this man was. In the show, it he did he burnt down. So it's yeah, just right. It's so funny that they. I just don't get it. Why I just want. I just wanted to be as accurate as possible. Yeah, then
0: it may as well be a documentary.
2: Okay, I think they make All it. right, they're like,
0: I can make it more fun if we By can burning it down. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, he's volatile and he will go to extremes. And that became quite evident after a law student unraveled some pretty full-on practices happening at Chippendales. Don Gibson was a second-year law student at UCLA in 1982 and was at the time living near Chippendales. What I haven't mentioned yet is that Chippendales was women only for the male review show and then opened to everyone else at 10pm and operated as a normal club slash disco. So, one night, Don and his friend Barry go to Chippendales to check it out and have a night on the town. And they wait in the long line and when they finally reach the front of the line, the bouncer asks to see their IDs. And Don produces his California ID and the bouncer says, oh, no, 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 your Chippendales ID. And Don's confused and the bouncer explains that membership is required to enter the club. And he explains that they have to go to this uh, building down the road you know midweek pay several hundred dollars for a membership so Don and Barry leave They're students they're like we're not paying hundreds of dollars to get a membership for a a club so Don thinks nothing of it until about a month or so later he runs into Barry again at, at uni and Barry mentions that he went to Chippendales on the weekend and Don's like really you paid for a membership and Barry's like no they didn't ask oh and why is this a red flag because Barry was white and Don is not.
1: Okay. So, it's a made up. There's no membership. There's no membership.
0: Don asks around to his fellow students and asks if they'd been to Chippendales. Every person of colour he asked said they'd been denied and asked for a
2: membership. Hmm. Suddenly sound sounds like a pattern.
0: Yeah. So, he's like- And this is a law student and somebody who like- The, the whole way they um, portray him in this podcast is he's a very like righteous or like- He just wants justice and he wants the right- Anyway. So- Wrong person to kind of piss off, I guess, because he knows the process and he knows what to do. So, he's like, something seriously illegal is going on, but he knew he needed harder evidence because, again, he's a law student. So, he recruits two white classmates, Bennett and Greg, um, to help him in an experiment. They go to the club together. Don even dresses up a little fancier and a little nicer than Ben and Greg are dressed. And they go to Chippendales together. Bennett and Greg get in the line first and Don lines up separately from them. And Bennett and Greg pay their $4 cover charge and get stamps on their hands and they're in, no problems. When Don gets to the front of the line, he gets the same response as last time. Oh, oh, you need membership. So, Don's like, okay, no worries. He walks away. A few minutes later, his friends come out of the club and they find him and they are pissed. Pissed. Don explains that he wasn't as upset at them because he had experienced racism his entire life, but his white friends are like, the fuck? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, the three of them line up once again, this time all together, and when they get to the front of the line, Don's two white friends point to him and tell the bouncer that Don was rejected because he's black. And the bouncer's like, no, 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 it's because he doesn't have a membership. And Bennett and Greg lift their hands showing the club stamp and say, neither do we. So, they've fucking got him. So, Don files a discrimination complaint, finds out that they've heard many complaints, um, but no one had actual evidence that he had, and it meant the case could properly be investigated. What,
2: what was his evidence? It was just like the two, three of them with a corroborated story.
0: Yeah, I guess so, yeah. yeah.
2: He wasn't wearing a, a wire. No, oh, he wasn't wow. wearing a
0: wire. <laughs> So Bruce Nagel like a
2: camera in a big hat, or something like that. <laughs> well,
0: howdy, partner! I would just like entry into this here establishment.
2: <laughs> Could you just reject me and give me that <laughs> membership spiel into my chest? Into
0: my chest, if you do, if you do not mind.
2: I so, do declare. I
0: do declare. <laughs> Remember our um lawyer who studied for the bar at the bar Bruce Nahan, He tried to get the case to go away by offering Don free admission to the club for a year and <laughs> a go. bottle of champagne. Oh like, my god. Okay. French
2: stuff? So and that's $4 a pop. <laughs> and then the champagne. Who knows how much that free is? Free
0: entry for the year, you could be the only black guy in there. I, isn't for one that year. fun. Isn't that cool?
2: Just sign here on this napkin.
0: Don <laughs> is not interested in that bullshit. This case sort of goes on for years, you know, as it goes through like the slow legal system. It turns into a class action, including complaints from seven other black patrons who were turned away from Chippendales. It's drawn out. It's now a couple of years after Don was denied entry and he's working as a clerk for a federal judge. And one day his work phone rang and the person on the other side of the phone said, is this the guy who's suing Chippendales? And Don said, yes. And the person said he had something he needed to see and Don arranges a time to meet this person. Oh no,
1: I'm not feeling good about this.
0: A guy shows up and explains he works for a car rental company and hands Don a notebook. The notebook was left in the car that was rented by somebody who worked for Chippendales. Inside the notebook was detailed notes about Don. Ooh. What time he left home, where he went, details of his car, people who visited Don's apartment. Wow. Someone had been tracking Don for 10 days. At least. So, Don contacts another lawyer and the police who say there's nothing in the book that indicates Don's life is in imminent danger, so there's nothing they can do, which I love. And months go by, Don's feeling like he's looking over his shoulder this whole time feeling a bit anxious. That
2: does sound like research for a hit.
0: Doesn't it? A little bit. But there's nothing in there that, you know, screams sus right. or violent. So, we can't do anything.
2: What else would they be doing? Fuck
0: divine! It's so annoying, isn't it? So, months go by and Don gets another call, this time from a dancer from Chippendales. Hadari Sababu, the only black dancer at Chippendales, informs Don that Steve Banerjee is so pissed off about the lawsuit that he's had someone following him and has now put a hit out on him. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so, their original plan apparently was- um, Steve was going to pay this woman, like, $5,000 to, like, meet up with Don at a bar or something, flirt with him a little bit, maybe go home with him and plant drugs on him and, like, get him in trouble that way. But Don's, like, a grad student and working as a legal clerk and stuff. He's like, I don't go out. <laughs> so, they couldn't get him that way. So, the next natural step is to have him killed.
2: Whoa. They do not they do not follow this storyline
1: in the yeah. TV show. This bit doesn't get covered. Nah.
0: Wow. I just thought it was really interesting because- uh, yeah, it just shows how paranoid and, and the extremes they'll go to. And it's also worth listening to this to this part in the podcast because Don is like, he just seems very cool. It's really well-spoken. It's great. So, Hadari um, agreed to make a statement under oath with a court reporter present. Um, and when this court report was shown to Bruce Nahan, the Chippendales lawyer, Bruce was quick to make a settlement offer. Two bottles of champagne. And free entry for two years. Two years.
1: Even to you, Hadari, who works here.
0: Yeah, I'll let you in. <laughs> um, so, Steve Banerjee ended up paying 10k to Don, which is about $25,000 in today's money, with another 85000 to be divided up amongst uh, other black patrons that had been discriminated against as well. And Banerjee also agreed to allow black patrons into the club and vowed to ensure a quarter of new employees at the club were black and that he would do at least $5,000 worth of business with black merchants each year. But Bruce Nahan says he's pretty sure none of that happened. Oh. So, that's cool. But yeah, pretty- Pretty fucking wild that he's taking a hit out on somebody who's made a complaint about discrimination, yeah. which was p- proven true. And you take a hit out on him. Wow.
2: Yeah, that's just—it's it's just how he seems to think he can solve problems all yeah, of a sudden.
0: Just get uh, people killed, fight,
2: like burn down opposition, shoot people who yeah.
0: are
2: bringing court action against you. Pretty full on. But obviously, he was talking on a recent podcast, so he's. Uh, Don. Don. Yeah. And he's still- a, Is he a judge or something now?
0: Yeah? Uh, oh, good question. I don't- Oh, he's a, um, a legal- Like a law professor.
2: R- oh, right. Awesome. Um, and he seems really cool. You did say he was well-spoken.
0: Yeah, professor. <laughs> no, no, a- I just, I just liked professor. him. Like, yeah, I thought he was really cool and I I didn't have to include that part of the story, but I, I thought it was interesting and pretty- Pretty extreme. It does show
1: what Steve is capable of. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The the lengths he'll go to. Which is
1: worrying for the
2: rest of the episode. So, the- and the fact that that booklet was found, is that what saved him?
0: Yeah, I guess so, yeah.
2: Wow. So, it- it
0: Well, it- well, the book kind of, like, made him a bit aware that somebody- had been following him, but it was really Hadari the dancer right. who, who was like quite good. There's a whole big, like one of the episodes is pretty much about him and he was fairly close to Steve, like worked quite closely with him, learnt a lot from him and saw a lot of bad shit. Happen or be discussed, but this was just sort of a point where he's like, I couldn't live with myself if Don was killed and I'd known about it and I hadn't said oh anything. Oh my God.
2: Yeah. So it-
0: he, he pretty much saved him. He In saved the
2: show, him. uh, I don't know if, I don't know if it was the same name, but there was only one black dancer and, uh, Steve was sort of like, He, he was the most successful dancer and stuff. And then it, they started doing calendars, but they excluded him from the calendars. He's like, it's okay for you to be in the club. This is what Steve explained to him. He's like, what the hell? Yeah. I'm the most popular dancer here. Why didn't you have him in the calendar? It's fine. He's like, but you know, on a white woman's wall, that just, that's, that's not going to sell as well or something.
0: Yeah, I don't- yeah, I don't think Hadari was in the calendars and he even explained that like- and it was also like it was- I mean, obviously, as we've just heard, black patrons were being turned away. So, it was an entirely white audience of women, but he, um, Hadari was also saying there were some of the uh, like white dancers who treated him differently, who didn't want to be next to him on stage huh. because it made their tans look pale. Okay. The important stuff. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's- it's so fucked. Um, and it's funny you mentioned the calendars actually because I just have a short thing here. There's, a again, a whole big thing about it. But um, uh, one of the big income streams, Fortune Medals, was their calendars. And one of the dancers, Dan Peterson, he branched out and did his own calendar with a friend of his. And, of course, Steve's pissed off about that. So, Dan got a phone call firing him. And so, he just throws himself into shooting and selling his calendars, which are called Skin Deep and while at the beach doing a photo shoot, Dan and his friend noticed like little like puffs of sand coming up and then like something hit the uh, trash can near them and they mm. realised they were being shot at. What? <laughs> I was like, were they being attacked by crabs. No, they're being shot at <laughs> for doing a photo shoot on the beach and daring. Because I think in, in a, daylight. I'm pretty sure there was. Dan explains it. Dan's fine. They were not successfully shot. I Holy mean, successfully. Um, but, they,
2: like, it's, Yeah. They try to burn down the place. He's yep. already failed two attempted murders. Yeah.
0: But it was something Jeez. along the lines of Dan said something about the calendars, and Steve was like, well, go do it yourself then if you don't like it. And Dan was like, oh, okay. <laughs>
1: Thank you, you it, for that permission. I will.
0: Um, and Steve was really pissed off about it. So, they were being shot at <laughs> and they hid behind something for like half an hour and still like unsure of whether or not they were safe. Fucking wild.
1: Wow. They're being shot at for doing a photo shoot. Got behind a sandcastle. Yeah, just so paranoid. I
2: know. I invented male models. Yeah.
1: That's like, it seems like he's like, and he kind
2: of like, a he made it a big thing. But if anything successful like that, there's always going to be- People coming in and yeah. competitors, but he's like, No, this is my idea. My idea is men taking their clothes off. Yeah. That's mine. You can't take your clothes off. So dumb. <laughs> he goes around to people at home having a shower. Getting changed, having yeah. a shower. He's like, Yeah, oi, whoa, 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 whoa. She starts oi. shooting at him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Everyone's got a shower in their jocks now. It's really confusing. Sounds like he's just also terrible at following through with his stuff. Yeah. A lot of uh, attempted stuff. Yeah, he doesn't really pull stuff off super well. (laughs) Shooting at people. Except (laughs) (laughs) pants. Nah, he doesn't strip, but, you know,
2: uh, the joke was there. Yeah. I had to take it. He he also doesn't seem like he had any of the big ideas that made the business successful. Yeah, yeah. Nick Banerjee, Nick... Denoya Denoya made the big New York club. Yeah. Someone else came up with better. the original ideas. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's he sort of start. he had the the building. Yeah and he sort of went along for his own ride a bit. Yep. I don't know. They, he must have had some
0: So there'd be pride and like he'd be frustrated by that too. He he must have known that. So uh meanwhile, Nick is in New York, a touring part of Chippendale's business is doing really well and Nick is making great money. Plus, again, he's doing TV interviews, he's being referred to as the founder and creator of Chippendales, which, as we know, is a a real bugbear for Steve Banerjee. And Steve had also had a major fuck-up with his latest run of calendars. He'd signed off on a design that had gone to print, and he'd ended up with a million calendars which had 31 days in every month. (laughs)
2: 31 days has September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31, (laughs) even February.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
2: Especially on leap years, too.
1: I mean, it's better to have too many days than not enough, though, right?
2: Yeah, it doesn't feel like because they had that in the show as well, and this was like he he was sort of st- under stress and stuff. He's just like, yes, yeah, I don't know if whatever. And his dad, I don't know if this is true, but his dad's business in India was a printing was business. a printing press, and and he, there was a flashback of his dad saying, "You've always got to double check the proofs." Yeah, yeah. and he's like I'm just. <laughs>
1: I mean, if you have a calendar that says Feb 31, that's pretty funny. It is
0: pretty funny, but I don't think they were in the calendar business for funnies. Yeah. They were in it for horny. Oh, okay. And accurate.
1: Um, <laughs> um, just get out your
2: whiteout, you know, your liquid- Yeah. What do they call it? Liquid eraser or whatever it's called? Liquid, yeah, paper? Liquid, liquid paper. paper.
0: So, he was stuck with a bill for nearly $300,000 and a million calendars he couldn't sell. <laughs> so- he couldn't pin the blame on him, but he tried to pin the blame on a lot of people, and they were all like, you signed off on this. Honestly,
2: people buy those Chippendale calendars for the months. Exactly for right. For the days. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the first thing I do is rip out all the photos of the hunks. Don't <laughs> want to
0: see it. I just want to keep track of my, yeah. my social I just plans. use this
2: as a diary. I take yeah. it everywhere with me.
0: <laughs>
2: I read it for the articles. <laughs>
0: Um, And a lot of people say that his anger and frustration sort of became directed towards Nick. Even though Nick had nothing to do with this, but, you know, when you're already kind of mad at someone, you're mad at something else, and you don't want to take responsibility for anything, so you're just like, nah, fuck that guy. I
2: knew it. I knew Nick's at the bottom of this. Yeah.
0: So, uh, he'd just taken a big financial loss. Nick was doing well with the touring show, so I think he's just kind of very resentful. Meanwhile, Nick has had enough of Steve's bullshit. He's planning to leave Chippendales and create his own company one that will rival Chippendales'. So, and Nick shared an office in New York with two talent agents, um, Robin Vores and William Mott. And the three of them spent so much time together, they became quite friendly because they're all kind of sharing this office space. And it was back in the day before cell phones, obviously. So, they'd be waiting around for phone calls or they'd, you know, if somebody's popping out for lunch, it'd be like, hey, I'm expecting a call, could you, you know, So, they they become quite friendly. Robin recalls Steve coming to the office one time and Nick seeming quite nervous in the lead up to their meeting. And it's assumed that in that meeting, Nick probably told Steve that he was going to leave Chippendales. But she was like, I couldn't- you could hear when like Nick was having a screaming match on the phone or something. It was a pretty thin wall, um, but she couldn't hear anything from that meeting. So, that's just what we assume.
2: Would the the idea have been that he would have kept the Chippendales tour, tour going?
0: I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really he, sure. What he had the, the
2: rights to it in perpetuity, but if he's leaving Chippendales,
0: yeah, does he yeah, then just rebrand that tour and keep it going? In I the show,
2: we this happened early. You know, they've flipped around the timelines and all this sort of stuff. But he was he tried to leave earlier before starting the New York
0: uh, Chippendales,
2: yep. and his idea, and I don't know if this is real. And I think he did um, copyright the name or whatever, trademark the name, but he was going to call it U.S. Mail. M a l e.
0: Oh, okay, that's good. We, we- deliver. <laughs> Yes, that is true. (laughs) He was going to make it US mail. On April 7, 1987, a guy walks into their office on the 15th floor of a building in New York. Will's there and sees a man holding an inter office delivery envelope and a Burger King cup. And the guy asks Will, are you Nick DeNoia? To which Will responds, Oh, no, he's in there and points at Nick's office. And the guy says, Oh, thanks, I'll be back and walks out of the office. And Will thinks the interaction is weird, but he sort of goes about what he's doing. It's like 3 30 in the afternoon. He's going to take off for the day. Mm. He goes down to use the bathroom before he leaves. And in the bathroom, he sees the guy from a moment before. And the guy seems kind of nervous. He's splashing water on his face and the urinal's like right next to it. So he's like, I'm going to go into the stall rather than this guy's, yeah, this guy's a bit odd. So he goes into the stall. By the time he comes out, the guy's gone. As he's washing his hands, Will hears a gunshot. No. Nick DeNoyer had been shot and died instantly. In his office. Yeah.
1: Just
2: these daylight shootings. Yeah. I mean, it sounds- Knowing like- there's a witness, like a guy in another room, he's seen you. It sounds like absolute amateur hour. Steve, what are you doing?
0: Yeah. When the news was broken to the Chippendale dancers after a show one night, well, that night, I would say, anger erupted in the green room. Someone exclaimed, I'm going to kill Steve Banerjee. Everyone immediately Yeah, Everyone it. immediately knew. Right. Wow. They, like, they knew that even, if, even though Steve didn't pull the trigger, mm. he was responsible for next wow. death. They knew it immediately. Everybody suspected it, but, like, the kind of suspect where you know, you know.
2: Right. Oh, that's interesting. In the show, they didn't make it seem like it was so obviously known. People yeah, were right. still sort of shocked and stuff.
0: No, it, well, apparently- there was a burglary
2: gone wrong or something oh, like yeah, that.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, nah, apparently they were, but like, he fucking was, Banerjee.
2: Kamal played it, so, like, the Steve character was, like, so obvious. like, oh, what? What? Why, what would have happened? Oh, it must have been a burglary gone wrong. Like, yeah. He was, yeah. It's like, why are you? Even, oh. How do you know anything about it? Yeah. You know what? I never thought about it, but it's what a shame that Kamal was in this show about buff strippers. And, and he he's so ripped. buff. Yep. But he never, I don't, you never, never saw him with the pecs out.
0: Yeah, it is disappointing,
2: isn't it? Hmm. Um, Kumali. Kumal Nanjani? Yes. Yeah, he's he's great. He's really great. And it's like, I it's, like it's him such a, lot. a serious, you know, it's a serious sort of show. Love when comedians uh, can, you know, do those serious roles. Yeah, like me. Me, you, um, <laughs> all the greats. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. He's good at the serious stuff. <laughs> Gary.
0: I mean, Robin Williams went to Juilliard as we learnt. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Banerjee ends up buying the rights to the Chippendale tour from Denoyer's widow and with the napkin deal now gone, people estimate that Banerjee's making around 100k a week from the tour alone. Wow he's making sweet sweet cash. That's huge. Um, in 1990 with the original club in LA having been shut down a couple of years earlier prior to like alcohol violations, Banerjee approached a London music agent and promoter, Carl Layton Pope with a proposal to take Chippendale's to a European audience. No real surprise. The tour is hugely successful. <laughs> it's massive. But no matter this new success, Banerjee is still paranoid and obsessed with any potential competition. He's particularly pissed off by another traveling male review, Adonis, mostly because it was started by a couple of former dancers from his LA club. So they're another American group. They're doing a few shows like around the US.
2: And he's, he's like, so these successful. fucking guys. I know his tour is killing it. It's like the the name brand. It's the big one. But he has to he be could- the only one. He just, yeah, he thinks that, yeah, too paranoid, and it just tears it tears him apart. Yeah, and he like, I mean, obviously not quite right because yeah. he just because like Nick was going to leave, so he killed him. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the psychology of it all. No, it's it's really strange.
0: On July twenty third, nineteen ninety one, a Blackpool detective by the name of Graham Gooch.
2: Oh my god, the English batsman. Yeah, same guy. Cram Gooch, yeah. Bloody hell.
0: He received a phone call from the FBI. Oh. They informed Detective Gooch that they had received a tip-off that a hitman was coming from America with the intention of killing some of the Adonis dancers who were about to do a show in Blackpool.
1: Okay.
0: And he's like, what? Yeah. Detectives watched They went straight To the theatre um, They chatted To the Adonis dancers They watched over them For a couple of days And their shows Went on as planned The FBI called A few days later To inform Detective Gooch That they had The alleged assassin In custody And the Adonis performers Were safe for now um, As it turned out The hitman Had been given The wrong dates And it arrived In the UK too early And it and, like, oh, no. kind of decided to bail.
1: He's using a calendar with 31 no. days. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, see, and no. you were
0: saying it doesn't really matter. No,
1: it's no, all about the beefcakes. Right. You're right. It does That's matter. so embarrassing. God, I just feel this guy's so stupid. Yeah. Steve
2: was like, oh, I've got a million of copies of these. <laughs> oh, I can't sell them. I'll give them to my hitmen. <laughs> I've got quite a few of them.
0: I've got so many hitmen.
2: I love how disappointed Dave is in Steve Banerjee unsuccessfully killing people. It's
0: absolute amateur. Who said, oh, oh, who said it was Steve Banerjee?
2: Oh, sorry. Who no, said it was Steve Banerjee? That's a good point. That is the great hitman
0: point. had been hired by yes, Ray Cologne.
2: Ooh. <laughs> who the hell was that?
0: Well, Ray was the guy that Steve Banerjee had always turned to when he needed help <laughs> doing something <laughs> illegal.
2: Oh, I thought this was a twist for a second.
0: It kind of is, but yeah. it's also not. It's Steve Banerjee. Steve Banerjee sure.
1: working through Ray Cologne. So Ray-, Ray Cologne. Ray Not his real name, surely. Hi, I'm Ray Cologne. You can trust me. No, I can't. No, I can't. Yeah, it's Ray Cologne. Cologne. He Steve-
2: definitely made up the name looking at some sunglasses and then a, <laughs> a, a toiletry bag.
0: Ray Cologne. It's also spelt colon. So I reckon it's probably. Oh, his name's Ray Colon. Ray Colin. And he's just but he's trying like, to it's, rebrand. Cologne. it's cologne. It's pronounced cologne. It's bouquet. You know, it's bouquet. <laughs> Richard. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's Weezel. It's Weezel. It's the same vibe. I love it's that cologne. joke every time.
2: Whoever it is. Whoever it
0: is. Funny every time. So Steve had asked Ray to help him do something about the Adonis show. And Ray had gotten in touch with a hitman known as Strawberry and offered him 25K ahead.
2: <laughs> oh, my
1: God. To go to the
0: UK and kill two of the Adonis dancers. Trust
1: strawberry Come i don't on. know
0: why two i don't know which specific two not sure but ray had provided the strawberry
2: ones maybe the ones he used to work i from. don't know
0: it might not have been
2: because they, the they
0: were the ones who started adonis but i don't know if they were necessarily oh, on the yeah. two who knows
2: he might have been like you choose
0: yeah dealer's choice yeah. i just want two dead just give me two so they know it's not <laughs> an accident or you know a coincidence mm. but like strawberry obviously can't take guns with him on an on a um, international flight, so Ray just gives him cyanide, okay.
2: <laughs> which you can take.
0: You can, oh, definitely take that. With Strawberry in FBI custody, the FBI came up with a plan. They got Strawberry to call Ray, who <laughs> didn't know he wasn't in London, as if he was just calling to like let's just talk through the plan one more time, just so I'm clear before I go and definitely do it right now because I'm in London.
2: Yo, and I need you um, to speak clearly. Yeah, <laughs> into this telephone. <laughs>
0: So um this allowed the FBI to record the conversation in which Ray explained to hit the Adonis men over the head with a brick oh, and then inject them with cyanide. <sighs> and they in the um the perfect in the crime. podcast series they're talking to the detective like is that like you get needles in the hit often and he's like, no, it's not really what we're used to seeing. He talks, he's delightful. Anyway, it sounds- um, so it's a really weird and convoluted way to kill someone too. God, these people are so stupid. Really stupid. They get Ray on tape saying this and then they search his home three days later where they find- Three bricks. 46 grams of cyanide <laughs> okay. hidden in a canvas bag with a hand-drawn skull and crossbones on it. When you say hidden- <laughs>
2: <laughs> Call that
1: hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And Poison it says, like, do not within. open. <laughs> Poison, do not open. I need this for a hit. <laughs> so, he said 46 grams. That's in enough. brackets, I mean
2: killing someone, not taking <laughs> myself. <laughs>
0: 46 grams is enough to kill over 230 people.
2: Oh, wow. You do
0: not need a lot of cyanide to kill you. How many members of Adonis are there? Uh 230. <laughs> huh.
2: If you want a, a job done well, do it right with way too much cyanide.
1: Yeah, Wow. Hit him with a brick and then inject him. This is not a- So we He had 239
2: plan. bricks as well. <laughs> <laughs> Just
1: in case. <laughs> you need a clean brick for each hit. Yeah.
0: So, Ray's arrested and charged for murder for hire, and he sits in prison for seven months. Eventually, he decides to cooperate with the FBI to help them bring down the man behind all of this, Steve Banerjee. <gasps> right. Ray tells the FBI about how Steve threatened him and blackmailed him into helping him get rid of someone back in 1987. Now, everyone knew deep down that Steve was behind Nick's death, but before now, no one had been able to properly connect the two. Ray's admission to the FBI began an almost two year cat and mouse chase with the FBI calling the shots and trying to get Ray into scenarios where they could get Steve to admit to the crimes. Um, in the course of this two years, like the first step they did as well was got Ray to like record conversations with the hitman who had killed Nick and like, you know, get him to admit that. So they, did that first, and then they wanted to get Steve as well.
1: So it's, it, that's why it took such a long time. And can I ask, why did the hitman, why did he have a big cup from Burger Hard King? Hard to say. Was the gun in there?
0: Oh, no. no I, I assumed that would have been in the big envelope. In the envelope. I think that was just a, a drink he was drinking. <laughs>
1: just, <laughs> it's a
2: funny detail, isn't it?
0: But wouldn't that, was this before like DNA testing?
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Maybe, Dang. because
0: otherwise the cup's right there. Was in eighty seven? Is that before? No, I don't think so. And then what about
1: the the cup? Like, did he take it with him? Or no, because look- that
0: was still left in the bathroom. Will remembers that being still in the bathroom. But and he'd
2: they- have to have, wouldn't he? Have to be on like in Bit the file. database. Yeah, yeah I, have I to don't match know. It I think something. he
0: was like a um, he. I think he was a drug addict, and like they they'd given him this job for drug money and stuff, which right. is really sad. But I don't know. I don't know heaps about, it. and they do go into a lot more detail in the podcast. But I was like, I can't. It was like a ten-part podcast, all an hour long. I didn't have the same amount of time. You know what I mean?
2: How do you, you know, the the idea of being like getting people to talk about the hit? Wouldn't you yeah. as soon as as soon as someone's going? <laughs> anyway, let's just chat about some of our memories. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: the good old days. Remember you know, that I th- time?
2: I think about some of my great hits. What what are you? What what are the great <laughs> hits when you? think about hits.
1: Mm. Have you ever killed anyone and can you talk about it in a sentence? Please. Clearly. I can't just get a yes or no here. <laughs> Need you to talk about it. Bring it up yourself.
2: That's just, yeah, just how I like to have a conversation. <laughs> like, I don't know
1: how you do it in yeah, a way that.
0: it's uh, it's very convoluted. But it sounds
1: like for two years I tried to get him to get
0: Well, they're trying to get him and Steve to talk to each other, but Steve, he's really, he's too scared to talk to Ray because Ray's gone to prison for doing things that Steve's made him do, so he's really paranoid that Ray's dobbed on him. So, he doesn't want to
1: talk to him doesn't want to talk to him. And is Ray still behind bars this whole time? Well, he
0: tells Steve that he's out of prison on medical leave because Ray has a kidney disease that he's been dealing with for years, so that's well known, but he's like, oh, I'm out so I could get medical care. Banerjee suss, but Ray's persistent and eventually convinces Steve to meet him at a hotel in Santa Monica in the summer of 1992. The plan was that Ray would wear a wire and the FBI could listen into to their conversation. Um, but unfortunately, Banerjee outsmarted them and refused to speak. He takes Ray into the bathroom and writes answers to Ray's question on post-it notes and then immediately flushes them down the toilet." <laughs> So, they can't hear his side of it, which is, I
2: suppose, pretty clever. Quite a few flyers. So, So like, he's on to him.
0: Well, he's just very paranoid. Yes. So, they needed a new plan. So, again, Steve being the paramo- paranoid man we know him to be, was desperate for reassurance that he was okay and not implicated in the crimes Ray was being investigated for. So, the FBI came up with a plan to make it look like Ray was fleeing the country. They flew him to Europe and he called Steve and said, I'm I'm making a run for it. I'm a fugitive. Okay. Okay. And now the, and the two agreed to meet up in Switzerland. So they meet for dinner. Ray's wearing a wire in his jacket, which he takes off and hangs on the back of his chair, meaning the FBI can't hear anything. No,
1: Ray, you've done that on purpose. You idiot.
0: So what they end up doing, there's a whole long part in the podcast, but I'll summarize it. They're trying to like, there's, there's an undercover agent there trying to sort of signal to Ray to put your jacket back on, and I don't think he gets it. So, like, <laughs> the Swiss police go in and they, like, tell the maitre d' you got to close this restaurant down. So, they close the restaurant, so everybody's sort of getting shuffled out, and Ray's like, Steve, do you want to just come back to my hotel room we'll have a drink or something? And Steve's like, yeah, okay. So, they go back to Ray's hotel room.
1: But he leaves
2: the this jacket. Is, they do this very similar in the show.
0: Yeah, well, it's- which yeah. I'm
2: like, this is far fetched. Nah. This restaurant's is all of a sudden closing down. Nah, and 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 Steve's like, something weird's going on here. And the other guy's like, no, nah, no, nah, they close restaurants all the time. Someone's wrong <laughs> in the kitchen.
1: It's Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We it's haven't different. had our main yet, but the, we know what. What about it? I just want to turn the aircon up real high, make it cold. Jack, back on.
0: Yeah, there you go. So, they go back to Ray's hotel room. FBI agents are in the room next door because they've booked Ray's room. So, Um, Ray's room is wired and finally they've nailed it. The FBI can hear their conversation crystal clear. Ray and Steve, they're drinking, they're chatting, they're talking about the arsons, the murder of Nick DeNoia, and a bunch of other crimes that Ray has helped Steve with. Steve wanting reassurance that Ray hadn't mentioned his involvement to the feds and Ray assured him he hadn't said anything to the feds about Steve. But Steve had just ratted himself out.
1: Oh, Got him.
0: So, on September 2nd, 1993, seven months after this meeting, they obviously still needed to gather even more evidence. Um, Steve Banerjee arrives at work at the Chippendales office in LA. FBI agents get out of the car parked nearby and arrested Steve Banerjee. He's like, apparently his hands were a bit shaky, but he seemed really confident. He's like, you got nothing on me you dumb pigs, and they're like, actually, Steve, we do. Banerjee was charged on eight counts, including racketeering, conspiracy, and murder for hire. The arrests made national news, and the same shows that cashed in on the rise of Chippendales are also reveling in its downfall. Uh. They're loving it. Steve ends up pleading guilty and was to be sentenced to 26 years in prison, and Chippendales would be forfeited to the government. He keeps trying to, like come up with- um, Originally, he's like, not guilty, and then he's like, okay, I'll plead guilty, but he's trying to protect his business over over everything. So, he's- and
2: tr- is it in the show, his, his, his partner- His wife. His wife is in, involved in the business. He wants to give it to her. Yeah. Is that- Have you mentioned the wife in this? Is no. That, he, how accurate is that? Yeah, Steve's stuff? married. Yeah.
0: Um, and I think- From what I read, he, like, in the days leading up to his sentencing, he, like, transfers everything over to her or, like, I don't know if he transfers everything to her or changes his will or something like that. Yeah. I think he transfers it over to her because the night before his sentencing, which is October 23rd, 1994, Steve Banerjee took his own life in prison. Oh.
2: And and in the show they made it, like, because he was never- Officially found guilty, then they the government couldn't take the company. So that's what he basically did it so his wife could have it. Yeah, and she still runs it, right? No, okay. So
0: she <laughs> essentially he's kind of like would I would rather die than than lose the business.
2: Oh, I thought oh, it wasn't a. This is for my wife. It was. Oh, I don't know. Right.
0: Maybe, but then she sold the business not that long after. Oh, so okay. I don't know that it. But I mean, that still I guess sets her up, doesn't it? Because yeah. Because it's just still sold the business going, I believe. Yeah, mostly just as a tour. And I think like there's a residency in Vegas, I yep. believe, or like a pretty regular show in Vegas. Um, but yes, Matt's absolutely right. Uh, seeing as he was never officially convicted, it meant that Chippendales wasn't forfeited to the government um, and went to his wife, Irene, who, yeah, I'm pretty sure sold the business. Br- I don't know how soon after, but she she sold it. But at least, yeah, you're probably right. It probably was more like setting the family because I had two kids as well. So, it was probably setting them up. To make sure they were okay, but pretty wild stuff. So. Gilberto Rivera Lopez, the man who'd actually killed Nick DeNoia, the, the hitman, was eventually convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Um, Ray Colon pleaded guilty to conspiracy and murder for hire and received a reduced sentence for his cooperation with the FBI in bringing down Banerjee. The FBI agents that worked with him a lot, because they worked so closely together and and one of them's interviewed a lot and he's like, you know, Ray, kind of he seemed like a good guy, felt bad for what he did and they sort of made sure that like a big chunk of his sentence was in like a medical facility because he was quite sick right. um, with this kidney disease so they kind of they looked after him a bit which is I guess nice a bit because I, I think from the the way that Ray spoke about it in interviews and stuff he died in uh early 2000s I think but the way he kind of talked about it was like he it was re- he was helping the FBI sort of as a, a redemption kind of thing he felt real a lot of guilt about the things mm. that he'd done yeah I guess that's a kind of nice that nice of the cops to help him out a little bit. But, yeah, the story of the Chippendales has been told many, many times. There's podcasts, books, docos, TV movies and that series on Hulu that came out last year that Matt just binged. Um, but that is the story of the Chippendale murders. I had... Have- no idea about
1: any of that. Me
0: either. It's pretty wild, isn't wild. it? Wild.
1: I thought, honestly, I thought this is going to be similar to, because we have done an episode on Hugh Hefner and Playboy yeah. many years ago, similar thing of like just a, a rise and maybe fall, I don't know, but yeah. I had no idea that there was murder involved. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: And I, I I, shouldn't have been surprised. I, I put up a few good topics, I reckon, this time. Yeah. But this had murders in the title and it <laughs> just swept the floor with all of the other uh. suggestions. Everybody's like, oh, murders. And they made a good choice, as they always do.
1: Yeah, it's very fa- – it's fascinating. And but I,
0: I really recommend going and listening to that podcast. If you like this story, um, uh, I've covered, you know, a good chunk of it and a lot of the main dot points, but there's a lot more info and in-depth stuff and really interesting stuff in that um, podcast. Welcome to your fantasy. It's really, really great. But, yeah, there you go.
1: Excellent stuff.
2: So good. Well, that brings us to everyone's favorite section of the show. We've lost Dave. He's playing with his dog now. Uh, we are, I don't know if we said that. We're recording it in his home. Hey, Humphrey. Um, and Dave's getting ready to go to work. Sorry, Dave, that you miss out on the fun and the best part of the show. Oh,
0: no. This means I'm going to have to do the terrible. I mean, great puns.
2: And there's a lot oh, today. Oh,
0: <laughs> you son of a bitch, Dave.
2: <laughs> Dave. Anyway. Uh, So, the way this works is really this last sort of 20, 30, 40 minutes of the show is where we talk about some of our great supporters Without these people This show doesn't exist uh, They support us at Patreon.com And if you want to get involved You can go there And sign up on all sorts of levels Different amounts of money For different m- amounts of things That's right Is that
0: pretty well explained Dragon That's Bob? perfectly explained
2: <laughs> And uh, the first section We like to do Is the fact quote Or question section Which has a jingle Go something like this
0: Fact quote or question
2: Ding she always remembers the ding. She always remembers the sing. <laughs> and uh, to be involved in this, you go to the Sydney Schoenberg level, sign up there, and then you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question, or a brag, or a suggestion. Anything. Or a joke someone gave us recently. Yeah,
0: we loved that. Happy to hear a joke. Happy to get a recipe. Happy to get um, just some a compliment.
2: I like a, a joke joke, tag because occasionally you get asked for one. And I'm like yeah. I, can't, I don't know any joke jokes, but uh, that one I have I've used. It was uh, I think if I remember correctly, it was. Here we go. Uh, what did the elephant say to the naked man? What? How do you breathe out of that?
0: Very good was stuff. That it? He's talking about his dick.
2: <laughs> the first one this week comes from Chloe Warren, aka Keeper of Mums with Old Lady Names. And Chloe has offered us a fact writing. It's not exactly a very worldly or insightful fact, but it's true nonetheless. On a recent Patreon episode, you ripped into a four-year-old for being called Barbara. I mean,
0: (laughs) fair enough. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I
2: love it. I'm sure I said the same at the time. You
0: probably did, and I probably said it's ridiculous.
2: Uh, And uh, Chloe says, sorry to give those non-Patreon stingy plebs a free peek behind the golden shiny Patreon curtain Hey, I don't like to think of them as stingy No I like to think of them them
0: as future (laughs) patrons You know they say, uh, a stranger's just a friend I haven't met yet (laughs) a non-Patreon's just a patron I haven't converted yet
2: Oh, they might be going through a conversion right now Do you reckon reckon you're uh, selling it? Yeah, big time uh, you're Ch- a loser if you're not a Patreon. <laughs> Chloe goes on to say, My grandmother, who we called Nanny, had a best friend called Barbara who moved overseas in her early twenties. Around the time Nanny was pregnant with my mum. Thus my mum decided to name my mum. That's th- thus my mum decided to name my mum Barbara. <laughs> in I'm honor of she, her best pal. She
0: means grandmum.
2: Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's my grandmother grandmother. Decided to name my mum Barbara in honour of her best pal who she had been separated from. My mum does not like her name. She also does not like to be called Barbie, not surprisingly. Her middle name is Jeanette, so my dad always called her BJ. This is no better than Barbara, though at least it has a different vibe. I remember learning what BJ meant when I had invited a friend over for tea when I was little and she had to stifle her giggles at the dinner table. (laughs) Thanks, guys, for your wonderful pod. <laughs> I've registered to it all. I'm guessing re-listened to all at least three times. I just started a job as a cleaner and I hate doing it when clients are home because I'm often lolling at your pods. <laughs> Cheerio, as my lovely nanny would have said. Oh, oh nanny. That's,
0: that's
2: lovely. I love Barbara. Great work. Barbara's great. I was going to say Chloe doesn't feel like an old lady name. No, Chloe's not an old lady name. Uh, The next one comes from Ben Johnson, a.k.a. Schrodinger's Scat, (laughs) (laughs) saying, this is a reference to my last submission about the gentleman wombat poo that I thought of too late. (laughs) And Ben has offered a fact, writing, despite being confined to a wheelchair from an early age, Stephen Hawking never lost his love for wit and mischief. It is rumoured that Hawking would deliberately run over the toes of people that annoyed him. (laughs) He ran over Prince Charles at his induction into the Royal Society in 1976 and ran over Jim Carrey's toes when they met in 2003, although I think Carrey was in on the joke. Supposedly, one of Hawking's life regrets was never having the chance to run over the toes of Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) When he was later asked about these rumours, Hawking said, a malicious rumour. I'll run over anyone who repeats it. <laughs>
0: Such a good sport.
2: That's so funny. That's very funny. Uh, I'm sure if Hawking were alive today, he'd run over the toes of a certain Dave Warnicky for not covering a certain book on a certain podcast. <laughs> now, nah, just kidding. P.S. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. Thank, Thank you so ben. much, Ben. We love you too. Next one comes from Nicola D, Nicola a.k.a. P. DGO, junior copy editor and collector of interesting words. Oh, And Nicola has a question writing. What is your favourite punctuation mark and why? Mine is the interrobang, a combination, a combined question mark and exclamation point. Oh. A sentence ending with an interrobang asks a question in an excited manner, expresses excitement, disbelief or confusion in the form of a question or asks a rhetorical question. Ooh. Having just listened to the Clever Hands episode, one might use an interrobang, uh, an example: Your horse can tell the time. Yeah.
0: Well, that's great because I often use an exclamation mark and a question mark, but I didn't know it had a name. But then I googled it, and it's combined. Yeah. I love that. Pretty
2: sick. That is so cool. Dave, just quickly, as you're walking past, what's your favourite punctuation?
1: Uh, were you talking about the interrobang? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So that's Nicola's favourite.
1: Did you know what that was? Yeah. The
0: one. Fuck together. Is it, there a Dad. specific order though? Uh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a question mark. It's combined. Oh, I didn't realize it was combined. I yeah. thought it was one and the other. I absolutely. would normally do, me personally, I would do question mark and then exclamation mark because mm. it's a question first, but the exclamation mark conveys the way in which I'm asking the question.
1: Fantastic. That's
0: how my mind works. Yep. And I am a scholar.
2: You are. Yeah, that's true.
1: Uh, in answer to your question, I do like an ellipses. I
2: do like an ellipses oh, like yeah. also. I like that, nice. that a lot. That's the dot, dot,
1: dot. Dot, I dot, love a dot, I'm dot. I'm a big dot, 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 dot. Break it dot down. Yeah, well. Break it yeah. down. Yeah. All right, off you go. Keep getting ready for work. Thanks. I've got to go. I love you all. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.
2: Dave uh, Dave is- Dave uh, was never seen again. He was never seen again. He's off to warm up a crowd on the hey, project. Everyone, let's get up and Come on. <laughs> God, he is good at warming us any, up. Any big guests on tonight? Who you got? Dave Warnocky, Dave the man himself. <laughs> I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> okay, hasn't looked, but probably someone big. Um, uh, Nicola finishes by saying there is no InteraBang available on Android or Apple phone keyboards. Yeah. So if an app developer listening to this could work on that, that would be great.
0: I learned something so great today. The InteraBang, I love it. <laughs> and if it's on, if it's put onto my QWERTY keyboard. I'm going to be smashing that fucking key all oh, yeah. day, baby. I love it.
2: I think I, I love, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of that. I love the name of it. I think the other two that I would come to mind that I quite like, the at symbol's fantastic. Love it, yeah. Swirly. I love yep. a swirly. Yep. <laughs> swirly A. Eh? Swirly A. Eh? And the other one is the ampersand.
0: Yep, love an ampersand.
2: Also a bit swirly and fun. Yeah,
0: I think you just like a swirl, don't you? Mm,
2: love a swirl. Dollar
0: sign because I love cash.
2: Yeah, also a bit swirly.
0: Bit swirly. I
2: love a... I love a, a circle. I do
0: mind a semicolon. That's kind of fun. Jeez.
2: Jeez, we love uh, some I of think the- all, punctuation's
0: all punctuation is actually
2: pretty punctuation is beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And yes, okay. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> that feeling, that seemingly left-field question from Nicola, but I love loved it. it. I didn't think I'd have an answer to it, and then I did. Uh,
0: well, yeah, and I learned about interrabang.
2: Finally this week on the Fat quota questions section is Aiden Cranstone, okay, Rear Brigadier of the <laughs> Grenadier Frontier. Oh!
0: Fun to say,
2: and Aiden is offering a quote which is, If you ain't first, you'll last. Reese Bobby, beautiful quote that
0: is nice. Yep,
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think it, I love a quote that makes you think as well. Yeah, and I, you know, I love the work of Will Ferrell, of course.
0: Who <laughs> you mean, Ricky Bobby?
2: Oh, sorry, Rick <laughs> Reese, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> uh, yeah, is his name is his, Ricky his nickname, and Reese is his real name.
0: I don't know. I thought it was just Ricky Bobby.
2: That's what I thought too, but it's, it says right here, Reese Bobby said this. Uh,
0: I wonder if that could be a typo. Could be. Oh no, Reese Bobby is Ricky Bobby's dad. Right. I'm so sorry. We were like you idiot, but right. you are correct. Reese Bobby, played by Gary Cole, does it.
2: I and, love Gary Cole. And
0: uh, Ricky Harvey Bobby. Birdman. Ricky Bobby quotes his father.
2: So, so good. There you go. Uh, well, that brings us to the next section where we thank a few of our other great supporters. Jess, you normally come up with a bit of a game.
0: Indeed, I do. Maybe we come up with the character that they perform as on stage. Oh, yeah. So we had like Cowboy Dan and like the barbarian. We come up with their characters, sexy or not. That's up to them.
2: Well, yeah. I don't think you hear barbarian. And you think sexy?
0: No, but the way that that particular dancer moved that night was incredibly sensual. Yes. And but I'm not saying these I are think necessarily sexy. sexy dancers if they don't want to be- it's, it's, you know, you can put your own kind of vibe on it, but this is the character you're playing on a stage.
2: And honestly, if you don't bring a bit of sex, you're probably going to get fired from Chippendales. So, but up to you.
0: Up to you. No pressure. If you want to keep your job, let's make it sexy. Yeah, that's all. But also sexy is subjective. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, maybe sexy to you is like- Sitting down doing your taxes. Yeah.
2: I know what women want.
0: They want somebody to do their freaking taxes. Someone to be on
2: top of it. Man, I would find that very sexy. Mm. (laughs) Um, If I could kick us off. Please. Maybe we go one for one here.
0: Okay, but every time we do that, you forget we're going one for one.
2: I'll do the first five, you do the last four. Okay, great. (laughs) First up, I'd love to thank from... Where is this place? Ooh. Utrecht. Ooh, where's Utrecht? In NL. NL? I'm going to guess be- Netherlands. It is in the Netherlands. Yes, Yes, you did it. Uh, from Utrecht, Utrecht in the Netherlands. It's Ramona Harrison. The
0: clog.
2: Oh, the clog. Yeah. Like like the shoe. Yeah. Wow. And that's all Ramona's wearing. Okay. Oh, okay. Not a full body clog. Just mm. a one clog on one well, foot.
0: No, two. Oh yeah, two clogs. But just called the clog.
2: The clog. She doesn't <laughs> give her a lot of room to dress down from there.
0: Well, you're. But you this know, is a,
2: this is playing for the the feet market.
0: That's right. They're yeah. Taking just, those clogs off saying, real slow.
2: They're like, well, all right. S- someone's doing like a full body strip, and yeah, they're, they're like, like nah.
0: You get to take the, off get the to shoes. Take off the clogs. Take off those socks.
2: Yeah. Um, I love Ramona as a name fantastic name uh, Thank you so much Ramona and for your work and your support. I'd also love to thank from Anchorage in perhaps Arkansas mm. in the United States. It's Liz Dean. Liz Dean. That's- I once dated a girl named Liz Dean in high school
0: for, do does that Liz has she, she, moved, she flee the country she <laughs> moved to the states? Possibly. And now is supporting you. That's nice. That's that nice. nice. That's a good- That's a healthy breakup. I assume you broke up.
2: <laughs> Never officially.
0: <laughs> Liz? What about Liz's a character is the dastardly Dean?
2: Oh, yeah. That's so good. <laughs> dastardly Dean. Yeah. yeah. that's fantastic. Comes out in
0: like a Dean's uniform telling you off. That's hot.
2: Yeah, yeah. T- telling you off for in the punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the homecoming queen ball or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh Oh, it's Alaska.
0: Alaska. A.K.'s
2: Alaska. Uh, sorry about that, Liz Dean. Um, what a beautiful place to live. Anchorage in Alaska. Ooh. I'd also love to thank from, ooh, address unknown. Ooh. Can't help but feel that maybe from deep within the fortress of the moles. We can only assume. It's Taz Media.
0: Taz Media. Hmm. Beautiful name
2: for a boy or girl.
0: You What, uh, what character is Taz Media taking to the stage?
2: Media. Is a hedgehog. Oh,
0: spiky. Yeah, taking out
2: one spike at <gasps> a time.
0: Wow. Kind of like, um, you know, that cabaret act where they're covered in balloons and yeah, like this popping is the them strategically. <laughs> <laughs> taking out spikes. Yep. Oh, they're putting balloons on the spikes. Yes. That's hot.
2: That is real hot. <laughs> on your taz. Fantastic act. I'd also love to thank from North Perth in Western Australia, Claire McLean. Claire McLean, the toothbrush. <gasps>
0: yeah. Uh, Are your McLean
2: showing? Yes. Wait and see. Uh, 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 uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Comes out dressed as a toothbrush and like squirts Listerine all over people. Yeah, freshen them up.
2: And as the uh, the the tricolour stripe.
0: Yeah, love that. Love that. That's great. That's a good one.
2: Thank you very much, Claire. I'd also love to thank from. Kanata in Canada. It's Amanda Smart.
0: Amanda Smart playing a nerd, mm. a sexy nerd, uh, the nerd, the nerd. Ooh, ooh, and ooh, then ooh. and then Amanda takes off their glasses. <gasps> <gasps> takes Secretly out their hot ponytail. Secretly hot the whole time.
2: Takes off the paint co- covered overalls. Yep. Oh my god, stone cold hottie. Not another teenage movie style. Love that. Which is where I learned about all of my American stuff. Yeah. Homecoming Queens. Yes. Letterman balls, jackets. Letterman's.
0: All the good stuff. <laughs> um, it's my turn now to thank some people. I would love to thank from Westminster in Maryland, MD.
2: Maryland, MD.
0: It's Maryland.
2: MD, it is Maryland.
0: God, stop doubting yourself, Jess. Um, I would love to thank Brett.
2: On you, Brett. Brett-y. Brett.
0: Brett is playing-
2: The super soaker. Oh. Comes out with a couple of uh, water pistols.
0: I reckon he also is like a fireman. Yeah. With- Water pistols. Oh yeah,
2: and like um.
0: But it's tequila in the water pistols. Yeah,
2: and he's wearing a suit of like filled up water balloons.
0: Yeah, and
2: he sort of pops them with the in a double act with the echidna. Yeah, 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 Or yeah. the hedgehog.
0: And so it's the just he, like
2: we haven't mentioned the echidna. That's another person. <laughs>
0: that's another person. Um, we'll get to them. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Um, that'd be fun. I'd, I'd watch that show.
2: Brett will get you wet. That's what he yes! signs.
0: the super soaker. Um, and I would also love to thank from Richlands, Richlands in Queensland, Ooh, Australia. Must be, nice. must be bloody nice. Love to thank Erica.
2: Erica, thank you so much for your support, Erica, and thank you so much for your dancing uh, character. Yes, which is where's Wally?
0: Where's Wally? <laughs> where's
2: Wally? Where Where is he? Where's Wally's
0: pants? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where are Wally's pants? And there's
2: sometimes Erica does a team up with, you know, there's someone dressed as the wizard Yeah Someone dressed up as Wanda Someone yeah. dressed up as Was there a dog? Wolf Yeah I reckon Yeah uh, Someone dressed up as uh, Oddlaw, the bad guy Yep Evil Wally Evil Waldo. Wally
0: Wait, um, where's
2: Erica from? Erica's from Queensland, Queensland. She, Wally. she gets Wally
0: um, that's a good one. Hey, Again, Waldo. the glasses and like a beanie, but you take those off. Oh, la, la, a striped bikini underneath. Sexy.
2: <laughs> that's sexy. Um, I was thinking about when I was in America walking around New York at night by myself and I was wearing glasses and this group of, you know, 20-ish, some they were a bit younger than me at the time. They would have been like 18 to mm-hmm. 20 and I would have been 25 or something. They were they were going, hey, Waldo, hey, Waldo, can I get a toe? Can I get a toe? And I didn't. To me, I just figure out what they meant without the same photo. Can I get a toe? Waldo, can I get a toe? strange place. <laughs> a, be- a beautiful place. A but beautiful place. Fucking
0: weird. Yeah. Know what I mean?
2: What I love about it is it's. there's nowhere else on earth like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. You could go to any.
0: They're number one.
2: Yeah. Greatest city in the world.
0: Um, I would love to thank as well from Niles, Michigan, Riley Johnson.
2: Riley Johnson. Oh my god. That is a stripper name ready to go.
0: Riley Johnson the I reckon Lyndon
2: B. Johnson. Oh, perfect, (laughs) Mm. yeah. So he goes, you know, super. Comes out, does one of
0: Lyndon B. Johnson's classic Classic speeches. Lines, yeah. And then (laughs)
2: and
0: it's it's beautiful. It's empowering. Like it's very motivating and like Inspirational and then yeah. deeply erotic. He
2: says, Lyndon <laughs> be president and Lyndon be horny. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's No spoilers, unfortunately. Matt just spoiled a Sorry, bit. But, that's, but
1: yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the finale. big ones. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and finally, I would love to thank from Tampa, Florida, Samuel Orozco.
2: Samuel Orozco. Orozco,
0: that's a cool name.
2: Well, from Tampa, maybe the Buccaneer. That's their football emblem. Okay. So it's a pirate. Yep. And he sort of hey, swashbuckles yeah. onto the stage. And, you know, He's already got his like, sword, you know. Already what I mean? already
0: got like a like an open shirt kind yeah, of vibe. Yeah. That's it. shirt. It's flowing. Yeah. Long hair.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm thinking yeah. Fabio.
0: I think yeah, that's what i Yeah, Fabio with an eye
2: patch. Yeah. Yeah. That's sexy. And he swings across the stage on a rope. It's good stuff. Swabs a poop deck or two, if you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Samuel Riley, Erica <laughs> Brett, Amanda, Claire, Tuz, Liz, and Ramona. And the last thing we need to do, Bob-
0: oh. Fuck.
2: And it's a big one this week.
0: Oh, my God. We've
2: got to welcome a few great supporters into the Triptage Club. Now, There's what is the Triptage so- Club?
0: The Triptych Club is an exclusive club for people who have supported us on the Sydney Sheinberg Deluxe level for three consecutive years, um, which is absolutely huge and amazing and- so, so appreciated. Um, once you're in the club, you can never leave, but not in a creepy way. <laughs> um, Matt is on the door. He's lifting the velvet rope, letting you in. I'm behind the bar. This week, I, we've got a tip and kiss. You can tip me and I'll kiss you. The difference <laughs> is inflation from the 70s to now, you will have to tip me $1 million <clears throat> and then you can have a kiss. Um and we've probably got snacks too. And Dave usually – oh, Dave also books a band. Are you going to book a band? I've got a band, okay, yeah. Okay, great.
2: I've booked a band. It's funny that he wasn't here because I actually already um, had a band booked. Great. And I was going to wonder if hopefully he didn't have one in, and I guess he hasn't. So, I've booked uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks.
0: Oh, great.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> They're going to be playing all their uh, chippy hits. Yep. Um, you know, the Chipmunk song. Yep. Uh you know, well, you know, oh, all the, the chipmunk th- songs. The, I mean, all the classic songs sped up. Yeah, I mean, you don't That's have to tell
0: us. I mean, we're all big chipmunk fans. They're so. an
2: efficient band, just looking at some of their hits here, like uh, Jingle Bells. <laughs> all I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. That's good. They you got spin big front me around teeth. like a record. Uptown Funk, which uh, is from the Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Road Chip soundtrack. Oh, so cool. I thought that might have been from the Squeakwell, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so, uh, yeah, hang around for the after party. Um, Now, how do we split this up? I'll read out the names. I'm on the door and you're going to be the Dave. You're going to be the hype man. I guess so. Okay, you're on stage. I'm seeing it. I'm going to bring them up. If you
0: have a really good one, though, feel free.
2: All right. Let's let's tag team it. Whoever's feeling it. All right. All right. Uh, we got a bunch to get through and these are all fantastic people. It's so great to have them here. There's like 17 of them. We're about to take this party up a notch. 'Cause I believe this seventeen is a is a real party posse. You know I what agree. I, mean? I wholeheartedly agree. All right, here we go. So first up, I'd like to thank and welcome in from Saucier in Mississippi, maybe MS in the United States. It's Travis Alexander. It's
0: about to get a little saucier in here. <laughs>
2: I'd also like to welcome in from, sorry, just checking, it is Mississippi, from Mount Riverview in New South Wales, Australia, it's Layla Booth. Layla Booth,
0: Layla, smooch on my cheek. Good to see you.
2: From Portland, Oregon in the United States, it's Kel Wacholtz.
0: Uh, From uh, Kel.
2: (laughs) Kel, you know what? The fragrance he emits is a delightful smell Welcome in, Kel
0: <laughs> Yes
2: from, I'd also love to welcome in from Bell Park in Victoria, Australia It's Robert Clark
0: From uh, Bell Park, more like Ring my bell and park your car
2: Robert <laughs> Clark's here <laughs> From uh, Cooparoo in Queensland, Australia It's Alison Pottinger. Well,
0: Cooparoo uh, to you Come on in, take a seat, get a drink <laughs>
2: From Sackett's Harbour in New York in the United States, it's Jim Bates.
0: More like Jim hates not being here, but he's here right <laughs> now and he's excited.
2: From Alvy in Victoria, Australia, it's Tyson Graham.
0: Well, tie some help me.
2: Tyson, <laughs> love around you, yes. elbow Because... <laughs> Because it's good to have you in, Tyson. Yes. You make us lol radio all day and night. From Ames in IA, Indiana, maybe? Yeah, me. In the United States. Welcome in Caleb Devick.
0: I will be Devick stated when Caleb leaves the club, but it's not today. He's here. From
2: Iowa, Caleb was from. From Belleville in, geez, M.I. <laughs> My God. Mississippi? That was MS. Michigan. Oh, Michigan. Welcome in from Belleville in Michigan in the United States. It's Sam Cash. Pew, pew,
0: pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. Me throwing cash around. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean?
2: And you've also got that air horn yeah. type thing as yeah. well, which is really bringing a vibe, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> uh, from Address Unknown, can only shoot from deep within the fortress of the moles. Please welcome in Tani Hewitt. Hi
0: uh, Tani knew it. Uh, there was a vibe in the room and I, Tani's here.
2: From Ballyclare in Great Britain, it's Katie. Welcome, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, my best matey. There welcome is, in, Katie. Kidding. From Lutz in Florida in the United States, it's Marcus Smith. L- from Lutz,
0: he's Lux. <laughs> he brings the luxury. It's Marcus Smith. No
2: Klutz. It's <laughs> Marcus Smith from Lutz from Auckland. Welcome in. In New Zealand, Ellen Gibbs.
0: Ellen Gibbs. Me. A, a Joy. Warm heart.
2: <laughs> <laughs> From Nottingham How in does Dave do Great this? Britain, it's Morton Smith.
0: Morton Smith, more Smith, more of Morton, please. I want Morton Smith,
2: <laughs> you're my Bay bug. Is, it? Is Morton Bay bug a thing? No, I from Bakersfield in California in the United States, it's Ashley Baker. Ashley
0: Baker from Bakersfield. Are oh my you God. kidding me?
2: You Is Ashley Baker from Bakersfield. You? you make us me feel real good. <laughs>
0: Like, you that From one. From
2: Basildon Ooh. in Essex, in Great Britain, it's Sean Benson. Sean
0: Ben's my son. <laughs> He's a chiropractor.
2: <laughs> he bends your son. And he does a fantastic does a job. Great job. Highly recommend. <laughs> From it's Epsom too many. In second last one In Victoria, Australia It's Beck Razorbeck
0: Oh, Beck Razorbeck
2: Beck, it start and finish uh, yeah. Beck front <laughs> Beck and back Beck to Beck Beck to Beck <laughs> Welcome in Beck to Beck hits Yeah <laughs> <laughs> And finally from Hillsborough In North Carolina Where they've got blue fire engines Some places Somewhere In the United States It's Amjahe Chapel Oh Ooh, we're going to the chapel and we're all going <laughs> to get, get, get happy and fun, <laughs> yeah. having a great time with M. Jahi at the chapel. <laughs> Welcome in M, Beck, Sean, Ashley, Morton, Ellen, Marcus, Katie, Tani, Sam, Caleb, Tyson, Jim, Allison, Robert, Kel, Layla, and Travis. Make yourselves at home. Grab yourself a smooch and punch or whatever it was. <laughs> S- <laughs> smooch
0: and punch. Lose lose for me. (laughs) (laughs) What? You get to punch him. (laughs) (laughs) They
2: smooch you, you punch him. I get to punch them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a much better deal.
0: You can either tip me a million dollars and get a kiss or.
2: I get to punch he you. You
0: kiss me and I punch you. Okay, no, no, it's not a great plan. I give up. I forget. No, don't worry about it.
2: Welcome in, all of you, and uh, <laughs> thanks for <laughs> supporting us at patreon.com slash dogoonpod. Now, Bob, is there anything else we need to tell people before we go?
0: That if you would like to suggest a topic just like Melanie, Will Vickery, and Bracken did for this episode, um, you absolutely can. You don't have to be a Patreon to suggest a topic. There's a link in our show notes still, I think. It's also on our website, which is dogoonpod.com. Um, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash do on pod and find us at do Go on pod across all social media.
2: Oh my God. Now, what does Dave say at the end?
0: Dave usually says, um, You say, now boot this baby home. And, now Dave, boot this
2: baby home. and Dave
0: says, <laughs> Well, until next week, uh, we would just like to say thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye.